black African power. Welcome to the rebirth of the African civilization show, the home of the Amirah squad. What's good? What's happening? A well-organized lie defeats a disorganized truth every time. Ooh-wee, man. Y'all already know what it is, man. It's God killer in the house. Boy, I'm coming to do what I got to do because I'm going to do what I got to do. Standing tall, standing strong, and holding it down. Yeah, boy, we mm, 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 got a powerful show tonight. You know, we had them technical difficulties. It's always something going down when you're starting to get to the root of the problem. Now, check this out. We got a powerful, powerful interview tonight. The sisterhood is going to be in the building. The sisterhood is standing up strong. We having one of the great authors come on. She is going to throw it down for you. Plain and simple, man. She wrote the great book that's coming out, The Medieval Upheaval, a catalog of bloody European evils. And I remember when the great John Henry Clark said, you're pen history first. And I remember when the great Chancellor Williams said, go to Europe to get your history first because they stole it all and put it in the museum. Well, now we're trying to figure out what mindset would lead a group of people to steal artifacts in the millions and take it back to their homeland, and they still ain't gave it back yet. What mindset would lead a group of people to enslave people? And they still ain't paid us for that yet. Kidnapping has always been against the law. Learn your open enemy. Is what the great ancestor said. Now, we had a great book written by Marima Annie. Rugu. But we ain't had one written like this. I'm letting you know right now, Amon Ross Squad author will be in the building in a minute. Amon Ross Squad quality, y'all know how we keep doing it, and you keep wondering, where in the hell do they continue to find sisters and brothers like this? How do they do it? trying to let you know, man, this is scholarly work on the subject matter. And when we say I'm a raw squad quality, we all know what it is. Sourced out, referenced in doubt. It ain't no foolery, not at all. Excellent book. And it's on sale now. I got the website in the chat room for y'all. Alright, go in there and check it out. We need a book like this. Very, very important to study those who studied you. I'm going to say it again. Very, very important to study those who have studied you to no end. They know you better than you know yourself. Now it's time for you to know them better than they know themselves. And there's only one way to do it, and there's only one book for that, and that's this book right here. Medieval of Evil, a catalog of the bloody European evils. So if they treated themselves like that, 
man, you already know how they treated you. See, once you read a work like this, you start to realize where the hell you really are. You start to understand the stages of development they went through to get you this point to enslave a people and then act like they set them free because you were slaves on Sunday, set free on Monday, rewind, slaves on Sunday, free room and board and food, medical care, all taken care of. On Monday, you now got to pay for food, clothing, and shelter, and everything that comes with that. Sharecropping. Crazy. Like you left the plantation, you ain't had nowhere to go because where the hell was you really going to go, and you turned right back around and started working. <laughs> so they, so you work for free. Now you work and get paid and pay all your money back, so you're still working for free. Tom Foolery at an all-time high. But look, it's kind of late, man. Let me get right to this. Let me bring she on the phone. All right? <laughs> Crazy, man. Bananas. So look, while you listen to hit one of your keypads, all right? I see the room is filling up. Okay? Sister She, what's good? What's happening? I'm the Raw Squad up. I'm doing good. You know you got to speak up. You cannot come on there with that voice. That's all. It's Pablo's. I'm boogie. sorry. You know, I'm I'm hoarse a little bit, but I will speak up. Um, I like that introduction. You know, David Cameron was over in Jamaica a little while ago, and he said that, well, the question of slavery, reparations came up, and the man said we need to put it behind us. You know, so it's, yeah, so <laughs> they don't want to deal with it. They don't want to deal with the fact that not only did they kidnap us and torture us, but they slimed us too, <laughs> as the kids say. You know, mm. they slimed our history and made a mockery of us. They made us feel ashamed of ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. so a lot of projection going on with the Europeans, a lot of projection, a lot of things that they themselves did, and uh, they put it on our people, on our ancestors. So that's what my book is about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a powerful book. You know, we did a lot of corresponding back and forth when you was writing this book. Um, right, so let's yeah. do it like this. So we, you know what I'm saying? And you definitely want to, I'm a raw squad uh, authors, right? I just want to uh, listen to the audience to know that. So a lot of publications uh, will be coming out. Um, so let's do it like this, all right? Okay. Uh, what do you want the listeners to know about you, sis? Okay, about me. Let's see. First of all, I'm a writer. I'm a journalist by training. Um, and for several years, I worked in broadcasting for a major media company. So if I... Mention the name of the company right now. Everybody will go, oh, okay, but I'm not going to mention them. <laughs> but a major <laughs> company in America. <laughs> um, but, you know, they stifle creativity in these uh, corporations, some of them, many of them. And so I became frustrated, and I left, and I started teaching. I got a teaching certificate, and 
moved myself to Europe and Asia. That was before I knew better because if I had known better, I would have gone home to Africa. But I lived for a time in uh, Europe and Asia and taught English over there. And, you know, being amongst or away from, being away from, I'll put it that way, from my people, man, I I miss black folks. (laughs) And Mm. I started doing research and started writing my book. So, yeah. Hmm. So so let me ask you this. While you was in Asia, what got you through them Asian Sundays? Let's see. Well, you know, I had run into this brother called Ankh, and at the time he was on the uh, the Ankh and Nikki Love show, and I started listening to him. And um, I think he went away for a little bit, or at least I couldn't find him. But I found him on Sunday, and I started listening to him. Of course, the the the, the time is a little different, so night here is day there. So I would listen to you before I went into work and uh, yeah it was like being home it was like being home so yeah I thank you for you and and the uh, other members for keeping me sane for those years mm. because it got quite lonely over there quite lonely yeah see see a lot of people don't know about <laughs> the Nikki Love in our days when I was yeah. by myself slaying all by myself right <laughs> for years so I yeah. built that radio thing for real for years all right, yeah. so now y'all know what it is. Y'all can go back and listen to the old shows too, right? <laughs> All right, okay. See, so we see we see what got you motivated there. So now check this out. <laughs> Tell us about the book, Medieval Up Evil: A Catalog of Bloody European Evils, because that's a real powerful, um, a real powerful title there. So you might want to start yeah. the title a little bit. Mm-hmm. That the the title, yes, basically it covers what the book is about. You know, we don't hear about the bloodiness of Europe. And, you know, they kind of gloss over it. They they make it seem like it's entertainment. You know, when you guys are watching the what is it called, the Game of Thrones and the, mm. the Walking Dead and all those other shows, you, you look at it as pure entertainment. The producers, the, the writers' imagination, but that stuff happens. <laughs> That stuff happened. So I actually had uh, one person who read my book ask me if I had ever seen the Game of Thrones, and I have I have yet to see a single episode, a single second. But he was like, "Boy, that's your book," <laughs> and I was like, "Really?" He was like, "Yeah, that's that's your book right there." So um, they they come from a bloody history. They they camouflage it really well. But the the book is subtitled um, Confronting the the Whitewashing of European History, and so that's what it does. And I ask and answer this question. Were the people who invented the social paradigm that they call the Dark Ages, were those people capable of improving the social conditions of other cultures? Basically, I'm asking if Europeans could help others when they couldn't help themselves. (laughs) I ask and answer that question, and I go into their history that I use their historians, their researchers, their folklorists. They have no shame about writing what they have done, no shame. It's all out there for us to read and um, explore and to digest. Huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a that's a that I'm I'm telling I'm telling this in the audience that's a, a powerful <laughs> book. 
And, and and the thing about it is we don't have one like this in the community. That's what makes it very special. You know what I'm saying? We don't have that sis, so we really appreciate you taking the time. As a matter of fact, how long did it take for you to write it? Still with that. Um, let's see. Well, I started writing in 2007, 2008. Um, and actually, this book is the 13th chapter of the book that I started writing in 2007, 2008. So I actually had a lot of material to work with. The chapter grew into a huge essay, which grew into this book. And I know I know you don't like spookism, Brother Ankh, but mm-hmm. it's interesting to me that the number 13, this, is the thir- this book is actually the 13th chapter of an original book. The number 13 is a bad luck number for Europeans, but it's considered a good number for Africans, so I'm just throwing that out there <laughs> for the numerology. Yeah, I know that, like Friday 13th is really 13th. Yeah, I get that. Right, yeah. yeah. I, 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 thought I that might not think. Didn't. I get that. All right. So why did you write the book, though? Why did I write it? Yeah, yeah. Hey, why did you write it? It could have been a lot yeah, of you know, you wrote about. Because you had those right. skills, right? Why? Why you pick that? I, I'm going to uh, I'm going to say Tiger Woods inspired me. You know he <laughs> he at the time yeah it's an wow. interesting story I think but you know he has um, he came up with this I can't I can't remember what it was but he came up with this title for his ethnicity you know he came up with this combined word. Um, I can't remember what it was, but he ne- he never identified as black or African, and I always feel that people, you know, they self-identify the way they want to. But mm-hmm. I was with my daughter at the time, and we were talking about Tiger Woods, and you know, I was amused by the whole thing, but um, I ended up responding something like, you know, uh, it's such being the most rejected people on the face of the the, the earth, you know. You know, nobody wants to identify as being black or African. And she looked at me, and pain just swept over her face. You know, so, you know, I had worked with Caucasians. You know, I knew they weren't all that, you know, but she didn't have that experience. You know, she, you know, um, the pain was visible in her that she was a part of, of people who were, dejected worldwide. So um, I wrote the book to to lift her self-esteem and other young folks who may be feeling the same way that, you know, white people are this and that, people who haven't worked with Caucasians who don't know that, you know, the images that we see on TV are not real, that they're manufactured, that it's propaganda, people who don't really understand uh, Caucasians, this is a book for them, you know, people who don't like to to self-identify as African-American, this book is for them, you know, it's to help them, help them understand who the savages were. It wasn't us. <laughs> it wasn't black folks. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you say that, who the savages are, because that's exactly what they deemed us as savages. Remember that, that Doctrine of Discovery? <laughs> Right. Oh, <laughs> you know, right, right, right exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, you don't find a Christian monarch in a savages. 
So they deemed them savages. What else they called this? Uh, witch doctors, savages. Exactly. Um, I mean, just you know, anything out of the realm of normalcy. So very, and, very you know, important the, with that. The, the funny thing about being called witch doctors, you know, when you read my book, you'll find out that hmm, the esteemed medical professionals of the medieval area era, rather, they were practicing with what we call voodoo dolls, and they were using charms and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> so. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. All right. Um, so you write about the European tribes, right? You know, what can yeah. you tell us about them? Let's talk about those European tribes. And I'm glad you wrote that. Um, I, I mean, because it's important for us to get to know who we're dealing with up close and personal from a perspective that's well, see, one thing I'm saying is a well-documented perspective, right? Well-documented information that kind of, you know, kind of fills us in on these tribes. So let's talk about that. Okay. Well, first of all, the word tribe, it's a a Latin word. It it comes from tribus or tribus. Uh, People say that it means three, and it does but it also represents the original European families who agreed to share uh, resources. So they lived very near to each other, and they agreed to share resources um, to to split them by third, okay? So some say that maybe two, but certainly one was of African origin. I'm not sure what your research shows on that, and I didn't go into it too deeply, but I thought it was interesting that Europeans believe that one of the original families um, was African, the Etruscans. And so these Etruscans have rituals similar to ancient Egyptians. For instance, they used the scarab as a symbol of rebirth, they had burial uh, chambers and, and tombs very similar to the ancient Egyptians. Mm. And they invented the toga and established uh, some of the ritual formalities of Rome, the, the chair and, you know, some other formalities, um, political formalities. Mm. Um, but so those are, those are the original families. Then you have the, the tribes, um, the ones that are very bloody. Well, not to say that those other tribes weren't because they were. But um, the, the tribes were bloody. They were vicious. They were lazy. They did not like manual labor. And they fought all the time. <laughs> and I mean, all the time. And during their off season, they called it their time of sloth, you know. And the, uh, during this time, uh, the young warriors roamed away from their chiefs. They roamed elsewhere so that they could participate in wars. So, uh, and chiefs who, who lost fights or could not get booty, and I'm not talking about the booty that we're used to, <laughs> But the, the chiefs who were not able to, to bring in the goods or the valuables, they lost these young fighters. So fighting was essential to them. It was essential. Um, the tribes believed in a sort of might-makes-right philosophy. 
and the more people you kill, the greater you are. And one thing I like to mention is that, you know, the media always have us fawning over the royal family in England. Oh, just that. Their mm-hmm. history is so bloody, so bloody. And um, these families probably have more bloodshed than the other European families in their past. And and I, I should think that we not think of them as refined or elegant or sophisticated people. You know, they just stuff it themselves off for show, you know. Um, they are, they're vicious when it comes to gaining power and holding power, and they have very bloody histories. They didn't get those those royal chairs and those royal crowns by by being elected, by, you know, saying nice things to people, by giving things to people. They got those positions because they fought for them and they killed for them and they took stuff, you know, and that's something that, I think we need to understand about them, you know. And I think I told you once during the conversation that I actually lost a friendship over over the royal family because um, I lacked empathy for one of them when there was a tragedy. So, um, so yeah, their, their tribes were, were, were bloody. The 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 strongest the strongest man ruled. Hmm. Like 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 part of etymology of the word God, your mighty man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was God with those the the one that killed the most. Exactly. Yeah, you got mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And so yeah, when you deal with the, if you go to Diop's work talks about uh the Etruscans and how the Egyptians defeated them. And they and uh-huh. maybe maybe for like like uh like maybe fifty years they kind of mixed with the Egyptians a little bit. Then they go. Then they go. Uh, found the Roman. The first two dynasties of the Roman Empire. Ah, mm-hmm. okay. You filled in the gap that I didn't. I didn't follow through on that research. It wasn't a part of mm-hmm. my book. So I just thought yep. it was. Yeah, African origins of uh, the African origin civilization. She can't be out. Maybe they not to find a page. So okay, let's let's keep it moving a little bit because I know it's late, and I know you get up early because you do a little 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 garden. I don't even want to call it a little garden. You do a little gardening. Food. Yeah, I have I have a garden essential. that I I I sold I grow food and sell it. So yeah, mm-hmm. turning the ground, mm-hmm. getting it ready for next year. <laughs> okay, all right, that's real right there. Okay, so what's the strange discovery you made during your research, she? Um, you know, there were quite a few. Um, I at the top of the list, um, I found out that Europeans used to dig up. Buried bodies. Mm. Cut them, yeah. <laughs> they cut them into pieces and sold the pieces as relics. As um, what? Relics? relics. Yeah. <laughs> treasures. Wow. Treasures. Wow. Yeah, they were they were treasures for the church. And uh, well, you know, they they the they believed in <laughs> sainthood. They believed that people who seem to produce miracles or, you know, said they produced miracles. Police or people believe they produced miracles. Um, they became saints, and so they felt that if they had a piece of them, then that power would, would pass on to them. And so they went around digging up bodies <laughs> and cutting them up, and the church was a big part of that. The church... Um, actually had men, hired men to go around and 
locate bodies and um, cut them up and distribute the pieces. Well, of course, other churches and and royal families had to pay for these relics, and then people would go and pray over them. So it was a, it was a big business, and it's it's really funny, or maybe not, but. So European researchers went into, I can't remember the country, but they went into this mm. country and they, uh, years later and they checked on some of the bones that the church had as relics and they found out that they were animal bones. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're oh. talking about, wait, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, they mix in the, the yeah, at, um, yeah, matter of fact, matter of fact, Divine Prospect tried to pull the world off our eyes and said they found the bones of Jesus or found the bones of um Man, what's the guy John the Baptist? Something crazy like that. And when they picked up the when they when they when they checked the cache of bones, they found uh horse bones mixed in with human bones. You're right, see? Crazy. Right, right. So they they weren't necessarily saints and they weren't necessarily human, but you know, it was a racket. It was the church had a lot of rackets. A lot. They did. And that was mm-hmm. yeah, they had a lot of rackets. And that was one of the rackets. You know, they True. money was everything for them. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, if you can yeah. say you got the bones of this saint on that person, this person, it would it would give people from around certain areas to come in. Tourist attraction, like church there is you go. There, man. Mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah, I bet you go. Right on that. Mm-hmm. And then and, and then oh. people would set up. You know, just like today. I mean, just think about. Today, you know, if there's an attraction, people are going to come and you're going to have other vendors selling stuff. So it was this huge racket. Everybody made Mm -hmm. money. Everybody was happy. (laughs) I mean, the people who bought these relics, I mean, you know, they had Mary's tears. They sold Mary's tears and they sold Jesus' breath, you know, just, you know, uh, St. John's head. You know, I mean, it it was a racket. (laughs) So everybody was happy. St. John's lock of hair. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, just any. Uh, fingers, Shroud. fingernails. I mean, just crazy. Shroud of crazy. Jesus shroud. The whole nine yards. Right. Anything, right. anything, and people bought it. And if you read the books now, they'll say that each church has thousands. Still today, they maintain thousands of these relics in their vault. That is so And they crazy. bring them, and they still bring them out. <laughs> So my what? research says that as late as the early 20th century, in some places in Germany, they would bring out so-and-so's head and pass it around and have people drink. Oh, man. Well, that's, yeah. They had what they call skull cups, where they would take a dead man's skull and use it the way that they use these goblets in church. And, and they, they use a skull, a human skull, and... Serve the wine from it, so they be yeah. tripping. <laughs> so see, yeah. so, so what's the most what, what's the most disturbing um, um, thing you find in your research? Discovery you found in your research. So so we see the most disgusting, right? As a matter of fact, real quick we answer that question. Now we see where they get it from: going to Africa and taking the mummies and chopping them up and eating and calling Mamma Mia. Yeah, they. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I have a chapter called Medieval Med Insane, M E D hyphen I N S A N E, because their medicine, you know, they talked about Africans having 
I mean, using natural cures. You know, we use plants and we use, you know, trees. We use stuff like that. And they went into Africa and they shamed us. And they were using human bodies in their medicine, you know. So, yes, it's in, in blood and urine and semen and pretty disgusting stuff they were doing. Mm. So, mm. yeah, but Man. can I ask you a question? Like, can I ask you a question or? Yeah, you said you, you I think the question was what's the most uh, disturbing? Was that the most disturbing? The, the church had the bones? Uh, there, once again, that, there disturbing. were a lot of disturbing things they did, but <laughs> the, the thing that disturbed me the most was reading that, that they battled so fiercely and so viciously and unendingly that actual battlefields were soaked with blood so that horses were sloshing around through human blood, you know, or, or men were walking through, you know, flocking through human blood, and that the it, that the rivers and the, the streams were inundated with blood, you know. So I just think, about there's blood everywhere, and now they're growing their crops over there. I, you know, it's just disturbing. I don't know. <laughs> it's disturbing to me. Mm. Mm, yeah, mm, mm. yeah. Wow. All right. Well, okay. Uh, you're listening to uh, the Rebirth of the African uh, Civilization Show. This particular uh, segment is brought to you by Negus Footwear. Uh, support yourself or die. Uh, we got the author of uh, a great monumental work, Medieval, a catalog, Medieval Upheaval, a catalog of European evils, uh, Sister She. Um, it's a powerful book. And, you know, I suggest y'all get to it. Real fast, let me get uh, Brother Ish on the line. Brother Ish, I'm a raw squad up. What's good, brother? I'm raw squad up. Peace to you, Brother Ong, and also peace to the queen also. Very good information. I'm raw squad up. Black African power, Brother Ish. Black African power, my queen. Okay. All right. Um, let me get to the next question. Let me see. Uh, let me think about this. Okay, let's deal. Okay, let's deal with... um. Uh, in the book, you talk a great deal about torture. All right. Uh, let's talk about that. What can you tell us about that? You know, Europeans love torturing people. <laughs> they think. Yeah, you know, with the center of their life, really. I mean, everything they did revolved around torturing somebody. It's part of their philosophy. You know, one historian said that life was cheap. It was cheap. You know, they... Hanged people, they did all sorts of terrible things to gain political power or gain access to a person's wealth. Um, there were the gladiator games, you know, that we hear about. Um, that was a form of torture. Um, of course, the Inquisition are known for their torturing techniques. And what I found, what I discovered was, you know, people talk about the the Spanish Inquisition. I mean, that's the one that I normally hear about. Well, my research says that all the countries had their own Inquisitions, you know. Mm. And mm. one historian says they actually started, some people say that the Inquisition started, you know, the 12th or 13th century in that area. I found one historian who takes it all the, all the way back to um, 300 A.C.E. Mm. So um, it's, a, it's a part of their DNA. Um, their, their cultural 
DNA. Um, what also surprised me was learning that they use torture techniques on Africans, and I never knew that before I started researching. Um, Europeans exported torture to Africa, and um, many of us may know about uh, the hands of Africans that King Leopold, the, the Belgian king, cut off um, for Africans who didn't meet his high quotas, but um, all the European cu- countries rather used torture against Africans. So, um, yeah, torture is endemic to Europe. And if we look at America today, because a, a big part of my book is helping people to see that even though Europeans say that we are in this modern age, that they have brought forward a lot of their traditions, the traditions that worked for them in the past, they brought them forward. And I warn readers that to look out for some of this stuff, you know, that's being introduced into our culture, such as torture. You know, torture has been reintroduced, and nobody even says anything anymore about it. You know, we had the big blow-up. Uh, when we first found out about it a few years ago, about the, they called it um, extraordinary rendition, where they would fly uh, uh, prisoners into, you know, these so-called black sites and use this crazy, these crazy torture techniques on them. But, you know, we don't hear about it anymore, and it hasn't stopped still going on. So, you know, they, they you know, over time, they reintroduce their philosophy, you know. And another part of my book is to let people know that, you know, feudalism, which I deal with also in the book, you know, I talk about feudalism. I let people know that um, a lot of people think that feudalism hasn't ended. It's just changed it's the way it's presented to us, you know, so... And feudalism was a, a very hard time, and and uh, people were servants or you were rich. <laughs> you know, those were your options. <laughs> and if you if you had children, your children, depending on what your social status was as a as a, a servant, because they had different levels of of uh, servant servitude, your children also were tied to the land. So, and if you ran away, they could you know. Their scouts out after you and bring you back, and they could, you know, they could kill you if they wanted to. I mean, just really brutal, you know. Um, mm. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Um, look at that uh, one second. Um, in the book, you talk I wanna, about. Uh, if, can I can I just elaborate on something also? Yeah, yeah, sure. I, 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 I think our sister is absolutely correct about um, not overlooking the fact of things that they did back then and how it could affect us today. I know that in 2009 and 2010, the family of Geronimo was suing Yale University to get the skull back of Geronimo, Mm -hmm. you know, the secret society of skull and bones. Mm -hmm. They They collect the skulls and the parts, the body parts, of key mm-hmm. warriors for their own rituals within these secret societies. And when Geronimo's family found out that they actually had his his body, his skull there, they sued to 
to get that back. So these are the things that, that happen in today's times in a long line of things that they used to do back then in these European rituals concerning yes. indigenous people and drawing that power and energy and doing ritualistic things. Yes. And, and thank you for using the term ritual because that's exactly what it is. Those rituals that they believe worked for them in the past will work for them in the future. Yes, absolutely. Correct. And and I also call them blood rituals because a lot of the early tribes, um, they drank one another's blood, you know, in order to seal oaths. Um, so blood, blood. Blood is central to their rituals. It's, mm. it's, yeah. uh, it's crazy. It's, yeah. It's crazy. I tell you, it's crazy when you're sitting down on communion and you're drinking the goddamn blood. It's crazy. In church you know? right now today. You know? <laughs> the wine. Right. It's symbolic. Yeah. yeah, it's the same thing. So it's a European custom. That's interesting. Hmm. Wow. I, um, okay. You know, the, the Eucharist actually means Thanksgiving in Greek. You know, which is, you know, I, 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 you know, you and I had a discussion about this, you know, because I had given up Christianity, but I did not renounce my vow until I started researching this book. Mm. And when I found, when I did the research on the blood covenant and all, I was like, I'm done with Christianity. I'm sorry. This is, <laughs> no, 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 no. There's some, there's some going on here that doesn't feel right to me. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's really serious. serious thing. Like Eucharist meaning Thanksgiving and you're taking a, partaking of the, somebody's body and trust. Uh, transubstantiation, you know, that has been declared as the body of a person, you know, this person being, you know, their Christ. And so, no, I will skip that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll skip that. Wow. All right. Interesting. So I know in the book it covers medieval life. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, you know, the um, as I said, there were two classes, rich and, and, and servitude you know, the servants and the rich. Um, but even some rich folks were, I'm going to put this in quotes, owned by other rich people, you know. So depending on your, your holdings, because they didn't have a lot of cash, but they had land. Land was king. And if somebody had a lot of land, had more land than yourself, and you wanted some protection, then you became a servant to that, you know, huge land holder. Um, it was like a giant game of Monopoly, hey, you know. Um, but uh, the rich people, they lived in these castles, and, you know, of course, they were, you know, up until I think it was uh, 15th century. I might be off a little bit. Um, but they had very little furniture. The, the castles were cold, and they were damp, and there were no floor coverings and no wall coverings, no windows. And, I, you know, I, I explored their their life, like, in that way because, you know, you're always hearing about the Africans that live in these little grass huts and blah, blah, you know. Well, you know, life was not fancy in Europe. They were they were dirt poor, <laughs> dirt poor, you know, which is, which is why – when they discovered all the riches in Africa, why they did what they did. They needed resources, and that's how they got their wealth. Um, but they were filthy. They were filthy. You know, they always saying those dirty Africans. Well, the Europeans were some filthy Europeans. And um, 
historians write that they never swept their floor. They just, you know, tossed debris and bones and food stuff on the floor and piled it up. And, you know, it was just filthy. And it just remained in piles on the floor. And they would, you know, set their table up and eat there amongst all this filth. You know, mm-hmm. um, but they had, you know, the, the the lords and the princes, you know, they had more than one residence. And so when mm-hmm. the castle became unbearably, unbearably ranked, they just moved on to the next castle. <laughs> you know, rather they cleaned <laughs> it, they moved. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just build another one, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> And they they partied all the time. They had great seats, you know. Um, but I found a menu on their menu. You know, they say we eat gorilla meat, we eat zebra, whatever. Well, they mm. ate roasted peacocks and swans. And for dessert, they had stuff like, oh boy, pigeon pie and eel pie. Mm. <laughs> you know, so yeah, Man. pigeon pie and eel pie. Yummy. It sounds really yummy. Mm. So, yeah, um, you know they developed that term, don't throw the baby out with the bath water. Because the women and children can <laughs> last to take baths in the same damn water. So by the time you got you the baby, it'd be so damn black, you can't even see the baby. Listen, so they didn't take, what are you talking about taking baths? Who took a bath? <laughs> what are you talking about? When they did, the end five-year period. <laughs> you know what? what? People think you make that up. Go ahead, sis. Well, you know. They there was a time when they didn't take baths. The, the church did not approve of approve of bathing. <laughs> you know, it was they for they forbade them from bathing because it was worldly. It was vanity. And I quote one historian who says, "Filthiness was akin to holiness." You know. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, so they did not bathe, and, and um, one researcher says that the only reason they changed their ways. Uh, because they had all these diseases and plagues, right? You know, um, that just was wiping them out, wiping, excuse me, wiping them out left and right. One researcher says that the microscope helped with that because it helped them see that there were little itty bitty things that may have been causing them problems. But even after they discovered that, you know, they started putting out edicts and the the 1700s, you know, you need to do this, you know, you need to do that, take care of yourself. They put out these. <laughs> there are so many books that have been written about telling, uh, describing proper bathing techniques, you know, how you should, you know, whether the, well, the, the water should be warm or cold, you know, to use a towel to do this and do that. I mean, up until the early 19th century, you have them being instructed on how to bathe because they didn't do it. They didn't bathe, what? You know? Um, wow. Yeah, but, it, you know, once again, the poor had levels of servitude. Um, they were owned by the, the, the Lord of the land. I think I said that. And I don't think I said that um, uh, the, sometimes the lords could make people marry so that they could have children who could work the land. So there, yeah. And there were famines, of course, and, um, you know, they did not understand farming, so there were 
famines as a result of that, of, you know, the poor tools that they had um, for um, tilling the land. Um, so sometimes they had to stay, they, they stayed alive by eating acorns. Um, sometimes they died, and sometimes they ate, and sometimes they stayed alive by eating each other. Yay! <laughs> yeah, so they you know ate each other. But that's interesting because they brought that filthy habit over here. Remember that they was on their way out. Yeah. They was eating each other. You know that. That's yeah. documented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. And it's crazy how they just turn the tables and act like. We were the savages. You know, like, because if you come to Maryland back then, right, when they first mm-hmm. came over here in the 1400s, you got the mm-hmm. Chesapeake Bay. You got fish diving out the bay, crabs, turkeys running wild. You can't walk five steps without running to a turkey. You, you feel me? Corn, maize. Mm-hmm. Point, how in the hell do you starve in conditions like that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, a, make a left and you're going to run into a dad going. A fruit tree, a peach tree, a pear, a bird. You know what I mean? Like, really? Fish. Right. They just, right. So we see why they ate themselves, because that was part of their cultural identity. It hmm. was part of them. You know, they definitely did it in, in Virginia. You know, they um, they at, they were digging up Indian bodies and eating them, you know, instead of mm. burying them. Oh, ah, man. Eating them. How are you going to eat their cannibals? Ah, uh, ah. Uh, <laughs> and oh. they, I found and, one historian <laughs> who says... One historian, an esteemed historian, who says they used to hang human meat up in the market. So, hmm. yes. That's in the book? That's in the book? That's Yeah, that's in the book. Yeah. Oh, man, not the meat market. Yeah, they used to hang them up. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yeah, and then during the Crusades, you know, you never hear this about the Crusades because the Crusades, you know, they were marching for Christ, you know. you know, uh, They were doing <laughs> something holy, but they were also eating each other because people didn't plan well for the Crusades. Um, right. Poor people, there were, there were a lot of poor people who went on these Crusades. Well, they sold everything they had. They had no idea how long it would take them to get to the Holy Land. And they ran out of food. And so what do you do? You start eating grass, you eat your horses, you know, if there are dogs um, around, you eat that. After um, that, it's like, hey, <laughs> who's left? Oh, uh, man. So there was a lot There was a lot of cannibalism during the crusade, especially the, the first crusade. Yeah. They also have yeah. uh, babies in the, in the Vatican walls. Oh, yeah, so yeah. What are they doing there? There's dead babies. There's dead babies that are that are embedded in in the Vatican walls, and uh, that um, when they came here to America, you know, y'all some of the bathing habits. That's where you got that term. You could smell them a mile away. Uh, it was ah. the Native Amer the Native Americans, the uh, Pequots of like the Connecticut, New England area. They, as as the sister accurately stated try to teach them bathing habits because they were so used and spooked out thinking that they would get the plague, they would never bathe. And they were taking baths in the same, they were drinking the same water that they would take their baths in. So they're drinking filthy Hmm. water and the Native Americans had to teach them, go around here and you drink (laughs) over here and you bathe (laughs) over here. You don't don't drink where you bathe. 
So they had no bathing habit. And as Ankh accurately stated, they started calling the indigenous people the savages, but it was the indigenous people that were taking baths every day. Yeah, yeah. Same, same with Africa. You know, Africa, we had these um, leaves and, and there are barks, certain barks over there that will foam, you know, make suds. And that's what we used to clean ourselves. You know, we had these little, I can't remember what they're called now, but I think it's in my book, one of them. And we used to take uh, parts of some tree and pick our teeth, you know, like flossing, <laughs> you know, with all it. Right. So, yeah, we were we were on to hygiene. You know, we were all about hygiene. But they called us dirty, you know. And, you know, you're talking about the babies in the walls of the Vatican. Well, you know about the bone churches in Europe, right? Right. Where there are, <laughs> they, some say there are bone churches. These are human bone churches. Some say that they are bone churches because they killed so many people because they killed hundreds of millions of people during this oh, time. Wait, period. wait, wait. What do you mean bone churches? What do you mean? Churches well, made they out didn't of have, they, somebody said, yeah, somebody said, somebody said, one historian said that they have these bone churches because they, they ran out of space for burying people. Another person says, no, that's not true. They have these bone churches because, hey, Europeans like bones. I mean, they're relics, <laughs> you know, so why not <laughs> sanctify the whole church, you know, um, the whole building. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so. yeah. So yeah, you, there's okay. tourist attractions. Wow. All right. Now, how about the warfare? Um, yeah, well, you know, they killed hundreds of millions of people. There are places on, on the Internet which keep track of the numbers of people who were killed or, you know, give rough estimates, but and they, they just I mean, mercilessly, hello. Um, sometimes they fought for a day, I doubt it. But, you know, their wars lasted for years sometimes. And so you had a lord or or a prince who would stake out another's land and lay siege on them. And they tossed everything they had at them. The castles were, the interior were built like mazes and the families were hidden somewhere inside. Um, but, you know, they would lay siege to a castle and they would bombard them. And this is what I found out. I found out that they tossed dead animals over the wall, diseased animals, and they tossed human bodies over the wall. Mm. So some people think that biological warfare is a new phenomenon. No. The Europeans were way ahead of the game. So they would take these mm. these animals, hoping to infect, <clears throat> excuse me, the residents inside. But they had many towns, right? Everybody lived behind these castle walls, <clears throat> so they tossed diseased animals over the walls in, in hopes of infecting people inside and forcing them out. So, yeah, so biological that's, warfare was going on back then. That's very that's very good research, sister. I had no idea about that. Thank you so much for enlightening, man. Well, you're right. Okay, like the, the, the disease blankets that they gave to the Europeans, I mean to, to the uh, indigenous uh, Native Americans. Right, exactly. Population. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, they they found things that worked and carried those traditions forward, and that's an example of it. Same thing. They did that in, in Africa, too. 
you know, they they we had we had those uh, infections and was it the smallpox in, in Africa too? In, in some places in Africa, that wiped out some populations. I know the the Sankoi were affected by it to a degree. You know, same stuff. They plied they plied Indians with alcohol. They plied Africans with alcohol. Yeah, yeah. You know what? People never talk about that. But that was Never part of how they played this. With the nick, they gave niggas rum. Remember, that was the key yes. product, rum. It was cheap, rum. but it it had a high alcohol content. You know, we were making wine out of palms and other stuff. You know, um, I wish I had a list because I have a list of the wines that that we we made um, using the plants there. But it was like you know, you, the Europeans. You know, I've got these books that the Europeans are writing. Yeah, their little wine is like 2%, maybe 3% alcohol. But our stuff, man, we can get them good and drunk. (laughs) (laughs) And so they're bragging about this. And they they talk about one chief who refused to raid on other villages until he was good and drunk and that he agreed Mm. to do anything. Mm. You know what? That rum came from us working in the sugarcane. Uh, the the molasses. Sugarcane, the molasses. Now that they made yep. the rum. Absolutely. Right, yeah. right. That's right. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's the triangle. That is the triangle right there. You know, yep. you talk about yep. you, you kidnap the, the, the Africans, you take them to the island, they produce the sugar, the, the yep. sugar goes to uh, the east coast, they derive the molasses from it, uh, Turn, turn it into rum. They send it to Africa. Get it, everybody drunk. They pick up the Africans and take them to the island. That was, that's the triangle right there. That's the, the trade mm-hmm. triangle right there. Yep. Um, for the record, they carry the same thing out with their uh, billboard commercials using rappers, the liquor, all, all in your community. Okay, they're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. They're medicating you with that. All right. So I just want to let y'all know the Newport cigarettes, menthol. The, the, the ads with the alcohol. They you saw in other communities they don't have these big billboards with liquor and, and these posters and stuff like that. They only have in your What's that noise right there? Is that you? Was that you, Ish? No. Um, it no, no, it wasn't me. No. Oh, that was you, sis. Come on, she it was me? Yeah. Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm what I'm twirling it? my pen. I I don't know. I'm twirling my what pen. What was that? Wow. So we got a blog talk <laughs> show. Uh, uh, person works for blog talk. Make can you keep that noise down back there, please. <laughs> <laughs> Call the number three four seven eight five seven two zero five five. You're listening to Rebirth of the African Civilization Show. All right. Home of the Amaral Squad. Got brother Ish and sister She on the line. Uh, she wrote the great monumental work, scholarly work, Medieval Upheaval, a catalog of bloody European evils. Uh, she's the author, Amaral Squad author, to make that make that clear and understandable. Yes. As uh, a scholarly work, <laughs> I suggest you all get the book. Okay? And I'm telling you, uh, we need this work. Uh, it's important. Uh, the great John Henry Clark clearly said, Learn your enemy. Study European history. Well, here's a great study of European history. Okay? Uh, man, this segment is brought to you by Naked Footwear. Um, 
support yourself or die. All right? Now, also, I uh, want you to support the animated uh, lessons, okay? Um, Mel Trek. So, you know, let's support ourselves. Let me get back to you, sis. Um, you talk about the Africans in the book, right? Can you say a yes. little bit about a little bit about the information? Yeah, yeah, I wanted to balance the book, um, you know, because I want to make us aware of the real Europeans, not the Europeans who are presented in glossy magazines or, you know, on the fashion runway. I want to present the real Europeans, but I also thought it was important to teach us, uh, some of us, uh, who may not know about uh, classical African traditions, uh, just give them a primer because I'm still learning myself too. But, um, yeah, so I include some African information. Um, and I, I want to say to people that I use European historians I, because we have been uh, brainwashed by Europeans, but there are others out there who had a lot of positive things to say about Africans and really didn't like what their own people were doing. And so they wrote books, and I told Ox, some of these books, it's really interesting, because some of these books are what we would call limited edition, I guess, you know, for special audiences. So Mm -hmm. these books, um, you know, where the the books uh, in the beginning on the cover, it says, um, only for so-and-so's eyes or book one out of 50. So there was information that they were passing amongst each other about Africa that they didn't want to go public. So I thought that was really interesting. And so I put some of that information um, in the book too. So about Africa, I just you know like to let people know that we have structured, civilized societies before the Europeans interfered with us. Um, and, you know, you, you guys talk about this all the time, so I don't need to elaborate on that. But I want to add that, you know, uh, you know, we like to dress good now. Well, we like to dress good back then, too. So you have authors saying, well, they've got on silk. Oh, wow. You know, and so you have to think at the time, we're wearing silk that the Europeans are wearing wool, you know, this itchy wool fabric, you know, hot, heavy <laughs> Uh, wool, and we wore bling on our ankles and on our, you know, because the gold and the silver was everywhere. You know, I've got, I've got um, researchers saying, wow, there's just silver just laying on the ground. You know, <laughs> you know, they were walking out picking up silver, going handfuls of silver, going, wow, this is just here. You know, um, we cultivated plants, uh, and there was one particular plant that. We used the leaves of it. We made those leaves into threads, and we wove those threads into fine fabric that were worn by um, the king and the queen. So, I mean, we were some very original, inventive people. Um, They stopped all that. We were Mm -hmm. loyal to one another. You should hear them talk about the loyalty that Africans have for one another. Mm-hmm. Um, we warred with each other as a last resort, as a last resort. If we had to war with each other, some of us, and I, I can't speak for all the tribes, but just for the, the tribes that this particular historian is speaking of, he says that 
if we had, if we were forced to war, like if somebody killed somebody, um, that would force a war. We would raid a village, a person's village, but we would not loot that village. It was seen as a sin to take somebody else's stuff. So when they call us thieves, Europeans are talking about themselves. They're not talking about Africans, okay? We're very loyal to each other. Um, Nature gave us everything we needed. Um, Everybody worked the land. Um, We took only what we needed from the land when we needed it, so we weren't greedy. (laughs) We were literate people, and we Mm -hmm. believed in fair trade. You know, so we had these systems set up, and I think this story involves the Moors, you know, but we would set up, you know, we would have these, this trade relationship with the Moors, and we would set out goods and leave it there, knowing the Moors are coming, right? There's this exchange, you know, this agreed-upon exchange. Set out your goods, leave. The Moors would come, lay down what they thought was a fair price, take the goods, Right, and then we'd come back if it was okay. Then everybody took what they thought was fair and went away. You know, so you know mm. this wheeling and dealing and manipulating and scheming—that's a European invention. And <laughs> I had several, I had several historians saying, "Yeah, this is the way." You know, they were trading this way in Africa in the 1700s. I saw it with my own eyes. They just set out the goods. You leave what you think is a fair price. They come back and you, you take the goods, they come back and take the money. If it's not a fair price, they leave the money there, and then you have to come back and put some more money down. So, I mean, everybody knew the system, and it worked until the Europeans came, right? Okay, so I'd like for us to understand that about each other. You know, the schemers, the manipulators, that's not a part of our culture. Um, um, but, you know, we, for whatever reason, the liquor, the guns, the blah, 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 you know, we allow the Europeans to come between us. Um, we believe some of their, many of their lies, you know. Um, then you have the missionaries who went to Africa to spread Christ, the Christian word, but um, mostly they were there to get stinking rich. And I have a historian say, saying that there were more churches than there were priests. <laughs> You know, um, <laughs> so it was a scam. <laughs> it was a scam. And um, what's the guy's name? Adam Hoshield, who wrote uh, King Leopold's Ghost. He writes about the, the priests who became slave dealers and sold some of their own congregations into slavery, you know, some of their own students into slavery. So. You know, it was a scam. You know, the the priests were scamming in Europe. They just took their and they're showing the road to Africa and, you know, the rest of the world. So, um, and as we talked about, they, they plied us with alcohol and and they also had their their criminal class. You know, they had, you know, Europe had all these plagues that wiped out their population. They were low on resources, low on, on people as a resource. And when they went into these countries, they really couldn't get a whole lot of people who were willing to just leave home and, and and go into Africa unless they really sweetened the pot, which they did a lot of times, you know, because they stole African lands and they gave people 500 acres of land each, you know, really ridiculous stuff for free or for, you know, for a small price. But they also sent their criminal class to Africa, and they just went wild. They went bug wild, 
you know, so. Yeah. Criminal class. All of them sound like criminals. They had a class of criminals. Right. For the criminals. Right. Criminal. <laughs> the ones who were, you're right. You know, right. You can't make a distinction. Yeah, you know, the, the ones who were not politically connected and unlucky enough to be in jail, those. <laughs> but you're wow. right. The, the, the whole society, you know, basically is a criminal class. You know. Crazy. Yeah, they, they did some. They did some stuff in in Africa. I'll tell you, they. We don't hear about it. You know, you hear about oh, the poor Indians, and of course they did stuff to the Indians. But they, you know, they, they, they committed genocide in Africa. You know, they committed mm. genocide in Africa. And they want to blame mm-hmm. King Leopold. You know, there was a lot of bad press about King Leopold. He did. You know, the the Brits were bad. The Portuguese were bad. You know, the Portuguese, I've got a quote from a historian who talks about, I think it is in, in Kenya, you know, the, the word Christian became a, a dirty word because they wanted to know, the Portuguese, where's the gold? Where's the gold? And if, you, if the African couldn't say where the gold was, off with your hand, you know, or you had to make, you had to make something up. You know, it was just crazy. Hmm. Okay, all right, let's talk about Rome during the 1400s, all right? Um, just as the Europeans were beginning to invade Africa. Like, why is that important? What are you talking about that in the book? Why is that important? Because Europe was a savage place. <laughs> you know, Europe was, was, Europeans were calling us savages. They had their own internal issues. They lived in utter chaos. Um, there was white on white crime. <laughs> um, and it was common as rain. It was more common than rain, I should say. Murder and violence, more common than rain. They were crazy violent, but they dismissed their own behavior. Um, but yeah, I've got to have historians who, who are describing Rome, and I think I put one description up on my website, and they're talking about uh, soldiers or rape. You know, women are lying in bed next to their husbands, and the soldiers break into the house and, you know, snatch the woman up, rape her, take her away from her husband, and they go seek shelter with the, the cardinals and the pope, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, so they were doing some dastardly stuff. And so I asked my readers, you know, I, 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 I offered these quotes about Rome and about Portugal because in Portugal you had you had Jews leaving Spain going to the safe harbor of Portugal. Well, guess what? They decided to institute the Inquisition there in Portugal. And they, you know, they're murdering people, left, just mobs of people just going crazy, murdering people, throwing people out the window, doing all this stuff. And so I present these quotes in my in my book, and I ask readers to just imagine yourself as an African back then. You know, you're doing your thing in 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 your homeland. You know, it's warm, it's pleasant. You know, you got food everywhere, and then you're thrust into this medieval upheaval. Just think about that. You've got people calling you a savage. You know, you know, separating you by color. You know, when you get off the boat, they go, okay, over here you're dark, over there you're light, over, you know. So the colorism is, is, is starting, you know, and families are, you know, being separated and, you know, you know, the mothers are mm-hmm. attached to their children and being beaten and 
All this is happening to you. And that, so I just ask readers to step into that, you know, because I think a lot of times, you know, we have been, because we have been told to, because we have been told that our ancestors are savages, we don't relate to them. We find it difficult to empathize with them. And so one thing I try to do in my book is to get us to feel them, you know, to feel that pain, the pain that we haven't been able to feel. Step into their mm-hmm. shoes. What was it like, you know, for that? So um, I think it's important because they called us savages, and we weren't the savages. It was them. <laughs> you're yeah, they fake the savages. They fake the Seriously. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just I read this stuff and I go, my God, how did they get away with this? How are they getting, even today, you look around today, and if you read the stats, you know, like I have a really good friend who's a lawyer. She's a, a defense lawyer. And she told me years ago, she says, you know how they manipulate these stats? You know, the prosecutors, they decide who to prosecute and who not to prosecute. You know, they they decide, the police decide, first of all, who to arrest and who not to arrest. You know, oh, he's a good old boy. I know, you know, I've gone with his, with his dad, whatever. They never see the inside of a, of a jail. Others, the prosecutors decide, well, we're not going to prosecute them. So you still have this same narrative from the Europeans saying, well, oh, my God, those, those black people, they're so violent. When it's them, they're just able to manipulate their own system. I mean, they made their system, of course, they're able to manipulate it, too. And we never think mm. about that. You know, we don't put that into the equation, how the stats are manipulated, you know, and how they're manipulated. Um, Fudging the numbers. Yeah, it's just, but <laughs> just, and it's, just, it's the same stuff, the same stuff. They're able to just, propaganda is a huge tool. It's a tool that they have used that at least uh, they rated the industry. And I know there's some question yeah, about that. You know, the the saga the saga says, you know, that, you know, we're these godly people and those dark people over there, you know, they're the savages and, and God has given us this land. I mean the same propaganda. They just pull it it worked then. It'll work it worked back then, it'll work now. You know, but if we don't understand their history, we don't know that they're playing the same tricks on us over and freaking over again. Oh. Well, and that, that's why we have to recognize. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, but uh, no, go ahead. Ish. I was going to say that's why we need to recognize that the same tool that's been used during this entire time was that Bible. You know, that Bible has yes. been dropped on every indigenous population as the yes. proper uh, uh, white supremacist PR tool that's being used back then <laughs> and is still being used today. Yep, you're right. PR tool. Right, it no, is a, you, do you know propaganda? Do you know propaganda comes from the Roman Catholic Church, that word? They invented the word. No, yeah, look that. it up. That's look, look up propaganda. Wow. Look up the etymology to propaganda. You're right on it, Ish. <laughs> You're right on mm-hmm. it. Yeah, that's <laughs> what they just that with it. <laughs> right. That's crazy. All right, look, let's get yeah. some callers in here, man. Uh, the caller number is 347 Eight five seven two zero five five. Let's get some callers in. Hit one on your keypad. You listen to uh, the rebirth of the African civilization. So we got uh, man, a great author on the phone. I'm a raw squad author. Yep, we do got people to write books in case you didn't know it. Uh, she wrote a, a excellent work, medieval up evil, a catalog of bloody European evils. Uh, Sister She, 
Okay, uh, so look, let's get that uh, first call here. Hit on the keypad. Two one four, your line is open. I'm a raw squad up. Two one four, your line is open. Two one four. All right, I'm gonna go on to the next one. Two one snore. That person asleep. No. No, I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> Pick up your oh, fucking phone, you bastard. Hey, oh. Hold on, let me see. That you? Let's see. We the get truth hurts, I think. I think the let truth is hurting. You didn't get beat up by police officers. I didn't want to hear about it, you didn't. Hey, three, three, five, two, line is open. Three, five, two, line is yeah, open. Yeah, I'm right here. I'm right here. All right, hold on. All right, all right. Yeah. What's your name? What's your name? Will you cuss me out? What's your name? What's your name? My name is Malcolm X. That's what oh, they call me. All right. Okay, Malcolm X. You're drunk. All right. Yeah, this is a cracker-free zone, so bye-bye. Yeah, cracker-free zone, man. Cracker-free zone, man. Cracker-free zone, man. Put some cream on that cracker, motherfucker. Cracker-free zone, man. Black ice, that cracker. Black ice, that ass. You know, you know, Brother Ox, Brother Ox, I'm happy that somebody called in because, you know, Europeans don't know they're Anglo-Americans, white, Caucasians. Europeans don't understand their own history. They have been manipulated and lied to like everybody else. The only problem is they're living in this bubble, and whenever something disrupts their bubble, they get upset rather than doing research themselves to find out, hmm, is he is what he's saying true, what she's saying true? Let me see if that's true. They get angry. They can't handle the truth. Yeah, that's, that's very, very true. I, I got a video that deals with a lot of the European slavery history. And a lot of those Europeans, they are astounded at the history. And they, they write me back later saying that they've done the research and that it's, it's true. Or they have their own family history, and it's this dirty little secret they never discussed. Yep. Yep. Mm. I have... I have a short chapter on slavery in in my book, and you know some of the quotes I use, you would think they were talking about Africans being enslaved, and they're talking about Europeans. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Okay, all right. So we got the crazy crackers all that. Wow. <laughs> Another one? No, no, no. I'm screening now. Okay, they want that truth to get out. That truth got to him. Put it on his head. And it's funny, and, and I like just the way you just, just your reference is source material. You're sourcing them. See, that's the great them. about this book. <laughs> I use ahead, Nobel then. Prize winners. I use professor, mm. esteemed professor. All this is through, I use their information. I'm not mm. making this up. Mm. If they get mad, they mm. should get mad at their own historians who did mm-hmm. not feel shame about their history. And they shouldn't feel shame either. They should they should own up to it. And if they have apologies to make to people around the world, they should man up and do that. Man up and do it. Mm-hmm. They yeah. went around the world. They upset civilizations, homes. They shed innocent blood. And I know they're going to say, well, that wasn't me. Well, your people did it for your benefit. And you're benefiting from it. You don't get to accept the benefits and not the liability. It doesn't work that way. 
You have to take it mm. off, swallow it, and say you're sorry and do something about it to change. That's mm. a very, very valid point, and we have to look past the propaganda. They're, 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 they do a lot of freaky things on, online in all these different areas and some of these suburban homes that we can't even wrap our mind around. I can't, mm. I can't even wrap my mind around the depth of the filth of things that they do today. You know, so there's something genetically wired in them that they're comfortable doing that kind of stuff. We're picking yep. up some of those habits because we've been around them for the last 450 yep. years, but we still can't keep up with the stuff that they do today, the freaky stuff that they do. I agree. Oh, I agree. my God. You know, this, this, whole, this whole thing about hanging people, you know, they hang African-American men, women, and children. And after that, they cut off their penises. They cut off their fingers. Mm. They took lots of no. their hair. That stuff comes from Europe. That's what they did in right. Europe. That's a ritual. That's one of their rituals that they just they carried across the ocean with them. Mm. And we're not supposed to talk about that. Y'all did it. <laughs> oh, no. Say it ain't so. They, I mean, they, you know, they used to gather by the, the tens, the hundreds, and public. They're public squares. Do you know why they have public squares? Because that's where they tortured people in front of everybody. Kids gathered oh, to watch this square. blood. They would, listen, they, would, they had executioners who would cut off the head. They would sell the warm blood to mm. the spectators. They would drink it as a medicine. Warm blood, the best blood, the warmest blood. The best body. The blonde hair were seen as healthy for for uh, uh, their medicine, their human body medicine. The freshly killed body was considered healthy for their human body medicine. Oh man! People, oh, that's you know that, they were doing that up until they were listen. They were doing that into the 20th century. It's probably still going on someplace. We don't know about it. Mm. Wow. All right, let me get this next call. That's crazy. Let me see. Did I did I say three two three already? No. Yeah, All right, let me see. All right, let's see what it is. Three two three. I'm Ross Squad up. Three two three. All right, must have been okay. No, 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 no. My bad, my bad. Hello, hello. Yeah, yeah, what's good? yeah. yeah. Peace, Peace on the my bad. Peace, uh, peace doing, brother. It's peace, aunt. Yeah, I, mean, I wanted to call in and give her some props. <laughs> sister is on point. You know I love her. Y'all know I love her. Stop it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad she's on your squad. I mean, listen, because in my opinion, this is how you attack. If you want to you kill a lion, you have to know your prey. So if you want to know your enemy, you have to really study your enemy. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, um... This is how you update your information. Like I said, like 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 what she's explaining is she's explaining warfare, like the brother was going into. You know what I mean? But like it's warfare. Like these guys play psychological games and like yeah. you know with the poison blankets and um, throwing the like um, the siege warfare tactics. Like they're not even trying to go to war with you. They just going to surround your shit. You know what I'm saying? And then throw dead animals and poison into your joint. Like you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so I just. I just definitely think she's on. She's on point. I, I wonder. Um, have you ever heard of um, Amelia Bacino? Mm, no. Okay. Um, 
No, that's that's kind of like late century. It's like a, I'm a, a, about a black woman um, that was in Europe. They, that they, she's like she's the first published writer in um, in England. Okay. And um, just no, I was just wondering if you ever heard of because they also say that she's like um, she's William Shakespeare. You know what I'm saying? Because like this is something I just wanted to see if you found that research. But yeah, I mean she's on point. And again, like you know, the Europeans have no history. I mean their history is all lies and deceit. So. She's breaking it down right now, the truth. So I appreciate it. Appreciate mm, it. Yeah. You. you know how we do, man. You. you need you need scholars, you need writers, you need man, look. We doing it. Let me get this next caller. Six one oh your line is open. I'm Ross Squad up. Talk to me. Black African power. Black African, Black African power, African brother. Power. Peace. Peace, everybody. Um Peace to you, family. Yeah, this this brother Gabby Nubius. Um I was wanted to know what what can I find her uh, book? Oh, okay. Look at the chat room. All right, uh, got the website. Uh, medieval M E D I E V A L U P H E A V A L dot wordpress dot com. Get that medieval up evil. And we'll also be carrying the book on Amara Squad. So, um, any other places they can get the book from? Yes. If, if they go to Medieval Upheaval, there will be a link that will take you to a place where you can purchase the book. Um, as Ankh said, um, it's going up on his website. It would have been up today, but I've been inundated with other stuff. Um, and also, at one point, people will be able to order the book directly from me. I'm I'm actually, Ankh, I didn't tell you this, but I'm actually mm-hmm. autographing the books and signing them. So you can keep okay. it as a collector's um, item. So the, the first 1,000 books that come from me will be autographed and signed. So I'm, I'm hoping for a bestseller or, or something close to it. <laughs> we'll get you there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll get you there, sis. So don't worry about that. Got that quality in that book right there. That's, that's more, a lot of books. That's a lot of books. Yeah, well. That's a lot of books. <laughs> good. We ready for the next one. Uh, you also have a, a publishing company? Yeah. You know, I've decided, you know, if, if anybody can do it, I can do it. I've got a journalism background, and I've decided um, to establish my own publishing company. For some reason, I feel a kinship to the, the Khoisan people, and so I've named the company uh, Koi Koi Publishing in honor mm-hmm. of my people in, in South Africa, and um, I'll be putting out more books. You know, I understand mm-hmm. Oncast when I'm coming out, so I look mm-hmm. forward to publishing that one. In the oh, that's future. right. So, mm-hmm. yeah. My first book. Anybody else who wants to... <laughs> <laughs> Anybody no, else who wants to publish a book, I'll do the editing for it and the formatting and get it ready for sale. And you don't have to do anything but put your thoughts down, and I'll take care of the rest. And mm-hmm. you can get my yeah. contact information from from Architect. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, yeah. There we go. Yeah. Hit one of your keypads. All right. Um, man, it's very very important show right here. Uh, we got 26 minutes left. Uh, brother, if you got any questions for the sister? 
Uh, no, but uh, you're flowing, you're flowing real well right now. You know, I'm just uh, trying to elaborate on you know, some of the information. I just want to stress that the information is so very important. You know, that we understand the fullness, the both sides of of exactly what we're dealing with. Like Priest King has said, also, it's very, very important that we get this knowledge and this information. Let's make sure we support the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got to do that. Okay, so you, uh, you mentioned cannibalism, cannibalism earlier uh, in Europe. Uh, can you tell us about, uh, talk about the medicine? All right. Uh, I think you got a chapter on medicine. What is it, uh, medieval med-insane? <laughs> yeah, med-insane because they were insane with their medicine. <laughs> the, the, the concoctions. I have to tell people I actually I put actual recipes. In my oh. book. So oh. when you go to the chapter titled Medieval Med in Stain, you will see a bunch of recipes that require human body parts. Because mm. they were, that's what they were all about. <laughs> they were all about human body parts. And as I said, the, the, the freshly executed bodies were the best bodies. The fresh wow. blood was the best blood. And they used this blood to they thought it cured epilepsy. I don't know if it does or not. I'm not a doctor. But they used to, during the days of uh, the gladiators and the Roman Coliseum, you know, they used to, <clears throat> excuse me, call for the, well, they used to call for the death of the gladiator, and there was a certain way that they died, and the blood would come gushing out of the neck, and people would run onto the field, and they would suck up this blood from the writhing, dying gladiator. So, <laughs> Can I ask a question? Yeah, yes. okay, man. Go ahead, man. That's, you know, um, she kind of touched into something that we um, we touched on. We Remember, I did a presentation on um, a couple years back on the show about the, um, she said, she mentioned how the Etruscans became the Romans. I mean, could she kind of go into that? Because, again, the Europeans would love to still the Romans, and this is their whole foundation of their whole, you know what I mean, of their whole empire. They they want to be Westerners and Roman, you know what I mean, a Roman empire, the Third Reich. So um, she could talk about how the black people started the Romans, became the Romans. So, you know. Yeah, I didn't actually do research there. That was research, that was information I ran into and different historians have said, yeah, you know, these are the Etruscans, they're probably this, this one family at least some some said two families were Mixed. had African origin, but they definitely said they thought that the the Etruscans had it. Um, and I know that DNA testing came back inconclusive, but I think Oxford he had some information from um, yeah. that may contradict yeah, yeah. that. No, uh, he said they was mixed because the, the Egyptians defeated them, and they and they was mixed. You know what I mean? So I know I know how you do. You make everybody black as long as they look no. black. They, <laughs> they was diff- definitely different from the. They was definitely different from the Indo-European stock of the Romans. So we we understand that to be we get that. So yeah, and they ran their ass out of town immediately though. After that first well, they downside, immediately ran them out of town. They destroyed their records too, and so you yeah. know that's always mm-hmm. you know you know. That's like a wink, wink. Hmm, something, something's going on here because there's no records. <laughs> Where the records, you know? Yeah, um, because these are literate, these are literate people, you know. <laughs> so why, 
Right? You know, so what's going on there? So we know that you're part of their pattern is to destroy cultures and destroy the information regarding cultures. So, yeah. You know. Remember, they didn't want no empire, they didn't want no kings. Go ahead. Right. There you go. That was the point. That was the point. They yep. were, I'm saying, like, that was the point. Like, they were the, they were the Egyptians, in my opinion, but they were the ones that were fighting against um, the the um, imperialism, you know what I'm saying, fighting against the Punics and imperialism. That's what they were. They started the Italian Confederacy. That's what I'm saying. Like, they blowing the Roman history out of proportion. But what it was was just about a group of some independent tribes that just didn't want to fall into the imperialism. But, I mean, again, like, if we were to go to the – to the Egyptians, you know, they went all the way to Scotland. Scotland is called Scotland after, named after Scotta, the daughter of, of an Egyptian king, you know? So it's like, hmm. and Ire is a, an Egyptian, is the name of a king. So it's like, we, they, they know this history. They haven't changed Scotland in the name Scotta. They know what that is. So it goes all the way around. Give us that source. Give us that source while you're at there, bro. Wikipedia, please. <laughs> Try to <Tribe. laughs> <laughs> Please. He said, go to Wikipedia. Uh, please. They're not going to deny that. Nobody's denying right. that. Got it. It's the daughter of Father. Let me say, go to Wikipedia. Damn. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, just let me say, um, hold on. Let me check this phone. All right. Look, we're having a real good show based around this real powerful book. Um, let me get this call right here. Three one seven, your line is open. I'm Ross Squad up. Yeah, what's going on, y'all? How everybody doing? What's the pretty hey. good, bro? What's your name? Uh, this is brother A Row, man. I had a uh, quick question. Yeah. I'm doing all right, man. I had a uh, quick question, man. Uh, it's kind of yeah. off topic, man, but it's a real quick question, though. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa! No, 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 no! We stand on topic, bro. We got an extinct okay. author in the building, man. We don't want to get off topic. Uh, okay. She wrote a great book. We want to keep it there. Medieval Upheaval, uh, the catalog of okay. bloody European evils, um, essays, okay, to empower African Americans. We don't want to jump. Not tonight. Okay, I, I got you, bro. I'll just save it for another show then. Okay, bro. All right. Thank you. All right. Okay. Um, hmm. Okay, so look, let me ask you this question. Um, is there anything else uh, you like? Uh, yes, there is, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier uh, that if Europeans did it to themselves, you know, everybody else is fair, definitely fair game. I want to read this passage from uh, this historian, black historian called uh, Eric Williams. I think he passed away in 1981, but he was the prime minister of Trinidad and Tobago, and he he his book Capitalism and Slavery really, I mean, it sums up what the Europeans did, how they got rich, you know, why slavery started, why it ended. But he writes this passage on um, Europeans who were put into servitude, forced into servitude uh, in Barbados. He writes the transportation of these white servants shows in its true light. I'm trying to get my book to. Uh, shows in its true light horrors of the Middle Passage, not as something unusual or inhuman, but as a part of the age. I, I disagree that it wasn't inhuman. The immigrants were packed like herring. According to Middleburger, each servant was allowed about two feet in width, 
and six feet in length in bed. The boats were small, the voyage long, food and the absence of refrigeration bad. Disease inevitable. A petition to Parliament in 1659 describes how 72 servants had been locked up below deck during the whole voyage of five and a half weeks amongst horses that their souls through heat and steam under the tropic fainted in them. So these people went around. They kidnapped children. They enticed children aboard ships with sweets, and they kidnapped adults and made them work in Barbados. You know, and so that's just an example of how, you know, some of these whites were treated, too, at the same time we were going through our middle passage. So, you know, they just, you know, there are Europeans who are capitalists. They have no regard for human life. You know, they're just inhumane. <laughs> you know, they're socio I call them sociopaths. I call them psychopaths. And I call them narcissists. And there is, um, let's see, there is a test. I can't remember what it's called now. But I took their culture and took facets of their culture and there are 20 points you can score on this test to determine whether or not you're a sociopath. Well, Europeans, I checked off 18, 18 of the um, aspects of sociopathy for the European culture. 18 out of 20 matched them. So they're always talking about somebody who's a sociopath. Their culture is sociopathic. Mm, true. Very true. Crazy. It is. There's noise. Do you um you, you mentioned the um the, the British family. Um they're they're Germans, right? They're like a German family. How did the Germans take over Whoa, hold on. Oh man, that that happened with William the Conqueror. <laughs> William the Conqueror, and then you have the the Northmen going into England, you know, and fighting the 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 natives there. Yeah, so he, he had a lot of that going on. Mm. So they, were actually, they were actually invited. I can't remember who who was having problems, but one of the Kings at the time was having problems, so he invited these two brothers, the founders of, um, I guess, the founders of England, invited them over to help fight some natives, and uh, they ended up having a, a row amongst each other. <laughs> you know, so the brothers were German, and they were like, "Wow, we can run this place. We don't need to take orders from him." And they they fought with them and got rid of them. Mm. Mm. Wow. Yeah, uh, three one seven. Um, we're going to the last hour, bro. I'm gonna open your line back up, and you can um answer that question you wanted to ask. Okay. Uh, so that's the conclusion. I'm, I'm saying, what was the conclusion do you draw from your research as a researcher? Who me? Yes. What's what? What's the conclusion? What? Okay, my conclusion is that we should not think of our era as being modern. Um, we should, and that would help us draw lines between the, the past and what's happening now. 
You know, back then they had slavery during like ancient Rome. They had slavery. They have slavery now. They were bribing judges back then. Well, guess what they're doing now? They're bribing judges. They were bribing senators back then. Well, guess what? They're bribing senators now. Fashion was even a big deal. People went bankrupt trying to stay hip and fashionable. People actually went bankrupt. There was road rage back then. There were uh, there were uh, knifings and violence. Everything that you can think of happening now, it happened back then. So we have to ask ourselves, these people have been controlled for 2,000 years. When do we get to see progress? Mm-hmm. Where's the progress? Is this the best that their minds can produce, this society? That's a blueprint of what happened 2,000 years ago? Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. we stop buying into their paradigm, we could actually change it. You know, we stop their stop practicing right. their traditions. Um, we stop spending, you know, we need food, right? But we don't need Nike. We need RGBs, but we don't need Nike. Yeah, yeah need the RGBs. You know, we don't need $500 purses. We don't need a $1,000 dress. We don't need $50,000. We don't need that stuff. That stuff supports them. Mm-hmm. If we could mm-hmm. shift our paradigm, we could burst their bubble because they've mm-hmm. always depended on African resources. That's what made them rich. Mm-hmm. It keeps, we keep them rich. $1.1 trillion we have collectively, and we can't stop the, the violence against us. We can't have better conditions for us. Mm. Well, you know what I'm saying? That's yeah, that's the problem. We don't support ourselves. And, and like we say, um, we deal with the RBG, support yourself or die. This is a very simple understanding of a complex problem that we have, spending our money with other people, supporting racism, white supremacy through economics, is killing the black community. And is one of the, it is the main reason that you have a hood, because all the money-making mechanisms aren't controlled by you. And all the money that you have, you get paid in the stage and have five minutes and it's out. So what kind of feedback is this book receiving so far, sis? Very positive. People are really impressed with it. I don't know if they didn't think I could do it or what. I don't know what it is. I don't know if they didn't know the information, but they're like, wow, this is really imp- – I've had so many people say, wow, this is really impressive. Uh, people have told me it's a good read, that it's a quick read. Um, people have said that um, once you pick it up, it's hard to put it down. Um, I would like to tell people who buy the book, I would encourage you to read the first two chapters, which I call my alpha and the introduction that lays the framework for the rest of the book. It shifts your per- it shifts your paradigm, prepares you for all the stuff that that about Europeans that you're not used to hearing. So reading the foundation of the book, the first two chapters, sets the pace for the rest of the book. After the first two chapters, you can read chapter 7 first, chapter 13. There's no particular order. But to gain an understanding, to prepare yourself, because Europeans were doing some stuff and that I explained uh, in the first two chapters that, like I said, sets the tone for the rest of the book. Um, I don't think I talked about all the poisonings and stuff that they did, but it's a lot. It's a lot in the book. I mean, I can't cover everything, but well, it's just what I would it's like. It's a lot. I'm sorry. I think I, you know what? I think myself to be a pretty good researcher, 
But as I read through the pages of the book, I found myself not being able to move on because I was finding new things I had never heard of before. That's what makes this uh, yeah. book great, that you're going to find things that you had no idea about, okay? And so for me, when I'm reading, I like to stop. I like to look up things. I like to check the references. I like to, you know what I'm saying? I was, I was found myself doing it a lot. Like, really? Wow, let me look this up. Wow, that's a re- Oh, wow. So it's, it's like the nation of Islam did when they wrote The Sick Relationship Between the Blacks and Jews. They used all mm. Jewish references. And so this book does the same thing. That's what makes the book great. So you can't say, oh, that's that Afrocentric thing. That's that African-centric thing. <laughs> exactly. That's just that. You can't say it. You can't say it. You got to go holler at your people. Your people supplied the uh, references, source material for this. All right? That's what makes the book great. So, sis, who should buy the book? Uh, you know, I wrote the, the essay to empower African Americans. So, first of all, it's for my people, my people mm. to make them aware, to raise their self-esteem, to embrace their ancestors and the traditions of their mothers and grandmothers and fathers and grandfathers. It's written for them. However, <laughs> Europeans don't know their own history either. So no. it's for anybody. It's for whomever wants to learn. If you're open mm-hmm. to learning, please buy the book and learn. And let's make some changes together. You know, I'm not against white people. Some of my best friends are white. You know? mm-hmm. um, my best friend actually is is uh, a Belgian. <laughs> And mm. he loves the title. It's not one of those, my, you know, I have white friends, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the book is for us <laughs> to like change this change madness we're in. You know, the only you way like you can change the madness is to, is to acknowledge it, to get past hey, your look. nasty hurt, the true hurt. Get past your hurt and let's do something. Let's do something positive. Hey, you know what? You sound like one of them white people who say, yeah, I got black friends too. Right. <laughs> right, 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 <laughs> right. Well, I got right you know, I, you know, I got so. white friends. Hey, you know, one of my, one, one of my best friends is Belgian white. Yeah, but get this book up. How crazy y'all is. Boy, that's funny, boy. That was a joke. Yeah, you made my day with that. Oh. Wow. Yep, yeah, yeah, but you know what? We, we have, who, me? No, go ahead. Go ahead, that's funny. Are you speaking to me, Uncle? I'm sorry. Oh, yes, I'm talking yeah. to you. Go ahead. I'm going to get the next call. Okay, we, we have, yeah, we have, um, you know, we, ne- we neglect our own ancestors because of what Europeans have said about them. I mean, God, they have done all the dirt. We get all the blame. But where's the justice in that? You know, no we justice. have to tell justice. our story. You know, I, I use an example in my book. When, when somebody breaks into your house, the police come and they ask you about, they ask you what your story is. They don't go to the thief and say, what's your story? Or what's their story, I should say. They don't go to the thief and, and ask, well, what's their story? They go to you. We have yet to tell our story because we don't embrace it. I'm hoping that people will read this book and start relating to their ancestors. You know, it's like mm. your mother. Was your mother wrong? I mean, maybe somebody's mother out there is wrong. But your mother, all the way back to the great, 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 
I mean, they had to do something right, right? They had you, mm. right? How long? How long are you? So I want people to look at this, read this book, and feel. And if you cry, have to cry, cry. I cried, not for the book, but when I came into consciousness, and I realized, man, I've been dissing my own people. Oh my God! Let me feel. Let me go through what I need to go through, mm. and feel their pain and embrace them. And so I can mm. do something about this. Because the only way you're going to do something about anything is to care about it. Mm. And they do propaganda. They do a lot of things to to make us not care. Mm. Uh, I totally totally agree with that. I totally agree with you. Let me get the next caller. And before I get the next caller, I remember you talking about, um, let me get the caller first. We talked about what the Europeans actually said about Africa when they ran into it. All right, but let me get, let me hold that. Let me get, let me get the next caller. Three four seven, your line is open. I'm gonna squad up. Hey, what's up, Oz? How you doing, man? Good, brother. How you doing? Good. Are we still speaking on the book, or are we allowed to talk about anything else? Uh, we got we got five minutes left, and then we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. Okay, I'll wait. I'll wait, then, bro. Okay. I'll wait, then, bro. All right, brother. Uh, eight one six, your line is open. Um, this is Sister Renee from from In the Black Radio. Mm-hmm. It's Hi. just Sister Renee. How you doing, hey. Sister Renee? You're not on the In the Black Radio, Sister Renee. How you doing? I'm good. <laughs> How are you, Aunt? <laughs> I'm, um, I'm just fine. Great. Well, I wanted to. I, I've been listening for about forty five minutes. I wanted to tell the Queen, you are so on point. Um, so much respect. To you, I will definitely get the book. Um, it's right up my alley, <laughs> and um, yeah. you seem to have so much information. Um, and I'm I'm working on the book as well, so that's that's beautiful um, to know what you're doing. And also, I just wanted to say as a comment that, um, you know, I've heard some people say, and I just want to get your take on this too. I've heard some people say or ask. You know, how is it that if black people, our people were these amazing people, they, they cre- you know, created all of these, you know, amazing things that, that still haven't been um, able to be duplicated and so on and so forth. How do we allow ourselves or how do we get in the condition we're in now? And my response to that has always been that the nature of the black man and the white man is different. The black man's nature is I create. The white man's nature is I destroy, I control. And so when you have a difference of nature in people, um, you you can end up with, um, you know, the condition that we're in. But I just want to give props to you and get your take on that, and that was it. Thank you. Hi, thank you for your comments. I really appreciate them. Um, To answer your question, you know, I have a lot of answers um, that I could give. I agree with you. Um, I think it's about cycles. I think it's it's about them being takers and us being givers. Um, I think it's about them just flat out lying to us. You know, as I said, we were fair traders, and they came in, they found some weak weaknesses, which is you know, propaganda. They're they're good at finding the weaknesses, and they exploited our weaknesses. I've got historians who talk about. Contracts, you know, 
port, uh, Portuguese promising X, Y, and Z to Africans and not delivering, uh, you know, in, just so that they can get access to certain areas. And once they have access, you know, they just ran crazy with it. So, you know, a lot of manipulation. They uh, had, I mean, I've got examples of, of uh, a tribe warring against a, a prince and, and Zimbabwe, old Zimbabwe, and, you know, I talk about that saga and how, <clears throat> excuse me, that mostly benefited the, the Portuguese, and there were very few Portuguese on the land at the time, but you had Africans fighting Africans and Portuguese benefiting, and then the Africans who fought against the African king, they ended up losing their land, and, and the Portuguese, Portuguese tried to instill or install um, feudalism, you know, in that area. Um, so a lot of it is just plain on manipulation. And, and, you know, I told you a long time ago, we weren't prepared for these people. I mean, you know, these, no, I mean, if, you had, if you had never seen anything like that, I mean, how do you defend yourself against that kind of stuff when you're not used to it, you know? Um, so, mm. I mean, that would be my answer, but. Mm. Hey, you got one minute to call in. Uh, we got one more hour left in the show. Um, get that book, man. All right, Medieval Up Evil, a catalog of bloody European evils. Um, you can go to that website, medievalupevil.wordpress.com, right? Uh, I'm the Ross Squad will also be uh, carrying that book. So, yeah, uh, you want to listen to the rest of the show? You got call and call number 347 Um, 857-2055. Five. So, sis, um, yeah. man, in closing, uh, what would you like to read to take away from your book? You know, I think that as um, you hear me, takeaway. Yeah, the takeaway. Yeah, there are a lot of things. Uh, first of all, understand that your ancestors, our African ancestors, were not savages. That's the first thing. They were not the savages. Europeans came over with guns. They came over with lies. They came over with schemes. Um, And they came over with, you know, prepared to shed blood. They came over with torture techniques and torture tools. So our ancestors were not savages. They were not, absolutely not. Um, People who believe that the past is dead and buried, it isn't. Uh, people carry their traditions, they're, they're workable, their favorable, favorable traditions are carried forward. So the hangings, the executions uh, of Europe, they've been transplanted to America. Um, violence in movies, torture, uh, the gun tourism industry are all remnants of medieval upheaval. And mm. I would bet that they've got some other stuff that they want to implement. That's not a conspiracy off, it's just looking at patterns, you know, which my book talks about a lot. It talks about how to recognize patterns. It talks about how to look at European storytelling and how to recognize <laughs> patterns. I ain't say nothing. 
you know, man, I got you. I know, I, I know. We were talking about conspiracies mm-hmm. earlier, so I just want to check you before you check me. <laughs> yeah, I ain't gonna check you on that. I ain't gonna check you, but I already know um, how you do it. <laughs> but you know when they say know. we're living in this modern time, you know, it was just feudalism, you know, with a, with just with a different presentation to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like for readers to. Um, See how much carrying forward European traditions help us stay stuck in our condition. You know, we have to forego their celebrations, their religion. You know, um, I had aunt looking up uh, weddings because even something as simple as a wedding tradition. Oh, man. (laughs) Something as simple as a wedding tradition that we all practice. Dates back to ancient Rome and their uh, their um, homage to their gods. So whenever we put on white, a white veil, we're honoring the god Jupiter. Mm. Um, we have to think more deeply about the traditions. You know, our, our people left us some, with some tried and true and trusted traditions that we just abandoned, you know, that mm. would probably help us out a lot. I like for people to realize that Shows like The Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, and all those other gory shows that a lot of us like to watch, the violent shows, on some level, they're satisfying European bloodlust, on some level. So the producers, you know, the writers, that's not just their wild imagination. They're reaching into their DNA. They're reaching into European folklore, which we didn't talk a lot about, but, you know, they, well, they're used to telling bloody tales to their children, you know, that's mm. been going on for a long time. Um, I like for people who are seeking to integrate themselves into the European system, who feel comfortable there, to understand who they have accepted as role models. Okay, mm. so when we, you know, Brother Ish said earlier that we do a lot of our copying of them. Yeah, we do. And so those they're our role models, believe it or not. We're learning at their feet. We're imitating mm. them. And so I would like for us to be conscious of that, you know, and to think about whether or not that's a good uh, good decision to want to be like them, to want to imitate them. Is that is that good for us? Is that good for yourself? Finally, I'd like for readers to know that we're being managed by <laughs> European and Anglo storytelling. Mm-hmm. And that the chances are some now work in, in broadcasting. So I know how it works behind the scenes, okay? Mm-hmm. The chances mm-hmm. are slim that we are ever hearing the truth from the media. You have right. to go in to um, their media understanding that they're not to be trusted. Everything they say must be checked. The people that who we see on our television screens, they don't make decisions. They don't make editorial decisions, um, nor do they write their own material. So everything Ooh. they say, they're reading it on a teleprompter. So they may look pretty, have pretty smiles, have nice hair, but they're duping you. Okay, mm-hmm. which is another reason. Oh. I, I mean, I've got a thousand reasons why I left the business, and that was one of them. I couldn't stand this lying to the public stuff. I, it, we, yeah, we, I couldn't we take it. Where'd you work at? I'll I'll tell you off air, but I don't want to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're going to protect them 
the liars. I'm, I'm, no, no, it's not about protecting them. It's just privacy. Um, it's the whole privacy. system. Yeah, it's the whole system. It's the whole thing. Yeah, they they yeah. massage that they they're massaging their methods. They tell stories. They've always told stories, and we have to have to understand they're master <laughs> storytellers. It's hard when you're looking at European history. It's very difficult to understand what's true and what's, and what's myth because they mix they mix it all together. And I've had I've read his story. I've quoted historians who say, well, you know, I, it's hard to tell, you know, but I think it, it leans this way more, so it's got to be true, <laughs> you know. So they are mm. master manipulators with messaging, Ooh. storytelling, <laughs> master manipulators, and we need to understand that about them. So mm-hmm. that, those are my takeaways, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, sis, this is a powerful book, um, and, man, it fulfills the need uh, that John Henry Clark talked about. Uh, you, you encapsulated in the book, um, and it's, it's just, uh, man, encapsulating book medieval upheaval, catalog for bloody European evils, uh, Sister C, man, I appreciate you coming through. Uh, you coming back? Uh, we're gonna be be promoting the sales uh, on the show. Uh, you know, man, it's just like we got a lot of literature out there now, and and and, and we got it on point. Okay, it's important. Right. And so while we talk a lot about African history, uh, well, here's a book that deals with European history and is on point. Uh, thank you for coming through, sis. We appreciate you, your time. Uh, you want to drop that website one more time? My website is medievalupheaval.wordpress.com. If you go there, I have a summary of the book or a synopsis of the book, and I also have a link to one website where you can go and purchase the book. And Brother Ankh and Brother Ish, I thank you for letting me come on and talk about the book and support me. I think it's an important work. I'm glad you think it's important, too. And I look forward to coming back. And if you don't mind, I'll just put my phone on mute and listen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, we're going to get it in. Get some wild questions coming through. I already know what it is. Um, yes, thank you again so much, Sister Sheik. We appreciate yeah. you. Thank yeah, you. Hey, thanks for the book. All right, it's needed in the community. Appreciate you, sis. I'm Ross Squad Up. Okay, all right, let's get it in for the last hour. I'm Ross Squad Up. All right, man, y'all know what it's saying. It's 317, your line is open. What's good? 317, where you at? All right, well, you done. You just leave that. Okay, let me get the, let me get everybody out. Who else had a question? Where you at, bro? The line is open. English 347, where you at? Hello? Yeah, what's up, bro? You had a question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a question. Uh, I'm sorry I didn't get to talk to the sister when I called earlier, but my subject matter was completely different, so I didn't want to interrupt the flow. Mm. But anyway, thanks, thanks for taking my call, brother. Um, the mm. only reason why I really called today was, um, you know, I was watching a um, video on Sarnet's channel a couple of weeks ago, and I know you know him personally, so I just wanted to go out to him through VI through you. I think that as public figures like you, Brother Ish, Polite, you know, I, I look up to you guys because I like the message. For the most part, it's positive. But my only issue with Sana personally, I think that 
as a public figure, you have a responsibility as far as the content that you put out. You know what I mean? Okay, and, go ahead. And I saw where he had um Tazariak on his on his on his channel. Mm-hmm. And Tazariak was speaking about I think um how to share your man or something ridiculous. But for me, <laughs> I watched a video on YouTube where I think it was his wife, and one of his wives came out and said, it's not so much about Tazariq per se or Hebrew Israelites. It's more of, if, you, if something happens to any one of you who's in a public figure, at the very least, as the person who's doing the interviewing, the, the reporter, you should, at the very least, should address that issue before you speak on anything else. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's almost no, like, let's say, hello? Go ahead. What is, what, hold on. What, what was the issue? Basically, I feel it's irresponsible of Starnetta to give a, someone a platform when there's an issue hanging out there like there's an elephant in the room and that person doesn't address the issue because this is real life. You're talking about domestic violence. It's almost as if you're condoning domestic violence. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, the Hebrews don't got domestic violence. They say they can beat their women, right? <laughs> <laughs> You see my point, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at him. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, like, yo, how do you give this dude this plaque? Because for me, Sonnet is a powerful media outlet. That, I watch it almost every day. I look to see what's, what's, the, what's the content, and I, I like the brother. But sometimes he does some mm-hmm. things that I just can't understand. I'm like, how do you but give brother, this dude? You just yeah. answered your own question. You answer your own question because Sarnetta is not his it's not his pastor. He's not in charge of that church. So the question is how can a church or how can the organization that he represents allow this person to represent continue to represent the organization without correcting that? So what what he's doing is putting he's putting a light on the organization, like, hey, obviously the organization is condoning this. So your point your point is not with me. Your point is with the organization. If this is how they do it, maybe we need to understand that hey, they come in, don't send your daughter here. Because she's going to be a punching bag, so I mean, and, I, and they're not changing it. So that's so, so it's not him. You know what I mean? It's like why not the organization? He's not supposed to fire that man. He's just supposed to show you that hey, guess what? They don't give a fuck. I disagree with you. Here's why I disagree with that. I think last week, if I remember correctly, I think it was last week. There was a brother. He was talking about something that was going on, in, and he was um he was talking about something like some poor channel where black women are getting raped or sodomized. I think Ish checked him on that, like, yo, don't promote that on our station, if I'm not correct. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, he's so trying to some websites out there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So if you know there's an issue going on in the community, and it's a public issue, not something that's private, and you allow this person back on your channel, you are telling me that you're supporting that issue indirectly. You see my point? You can't skirt around this. I, would, I wouldn't say that. I, I mean, I, I hear your point, but again, like I say, like some of this stuff is bigger. Than, like, like the sister just said about um, the white man and his media organization. You know what I'm saying? Like, again, like for me, like I say, like you, because again, now we're having a conversation about why is he still the, we're not having a conversation, why is he still the priest of some type of religious organization? That is the conversation. And we wouldn't have known that he's still a priest unless Calnetta was so look, these guys is going on every day with their business like nothing never happened. 
You see what I'm saying? That is the that is the is what he's because again, I me personally, I wouldn't know nothing about these dudes. So what he's doing is showing the world that look, man, these guys. You know what I'm saying? They don't care. It's not his job because he don't. Not I don't know what he cares about the religion. I'm saying about you know what I mean he doesn't you know so that's what I'm saying. It's yeah, not I'm his not job to stop the organization. His job is yeah. to put the light on it. Look, because again, he them Hebrews get. 10,000 views in a day. You dig what I'm saying? They come from out the Woolworths when when the Hebrew come on. So it's like they need to find some type of hypocrisy in themselves, and that's what Sai is doing. I, I disagree, but I hear your reasoning. You know what I'm saying? I, I just I just don't understand it. You know, I, I look at it from the outside, looking in, I'm like, I, I, I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. You understand what I'm mm. saying? I just don't get it. And because uh, like I said, I think I watch, you know, I, I even watch, because I watch Ankh stuff with his, on his channel, we, the Real Black Atheist channel. I listen to Ankh, you know. Basically, I, you know, I like intelligent stuff. You know, I, I, the reason why I respect Ankh because, you know, he takes a position even when it's not popular to say certain things. You know, I'm surprised to see that you went to the march, but, you know, I, I respect that. I didn't go to the march. I went to the museum. I was everywhere but the march. I've never seen the stage, nor did I see Farrakhan. If you look at the video, you see me dealing with some guns on the video. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. I saw it. Yeah, so I did that first, and then I, you know, I hung around the Smithsonian uh, uh, Museum, which is right there. Went in there, hung hung out, and I gave out flies for my tennis shoe company. Now, now I'd have been stupid as hell not to go there and give out those 20,000 flies. That's just dumb. Right, right, right. I ain't dumb. Right now, and I never told nobody not to go to the march. I simply said what it was. Yeah, you're a hundred. I think um, for me, Ankh, I'm so happy that what's his name, Dr. Henry Clark, left that that whoever put that video up on YouTube years ago. I put it up. It was yep. mm-hmm. that video, of Dr. Clark speaking on Farrakhan. I mean, it's just. It's, it's like he left a mark saying, and you see 20 years later, however, however many years later, you see it happen again. I'm like, black people, we cannot be this dumb. Man, you know what? No, I don't even call Farrakhan. Check this out. Here's a good point. You will always hear me say, yeah. people will say, why don't you do this and do that? And I would say, well, nigga, you came up with the idea, won't you do it? Because it's your idea, and you best fit to do it. Right? right. And so the point is, if Farrakhan, Brings out a million people. We don't know what the numbers was, right? And we mm-hmm. sitting back saying he didn't have a message for the people. Then we just as crazy as that person that called me and said, why don't I do this? The question is, why didn't we have things ready for the people? Should be the big question mm-hmm. to ask. Farrakhan did what he could do. He got us there. He made <laughs> money off of us. He did what he could do. He did what he did for his organization. But, but the big yeah, picture yeah. is, look at all these people. That's what, that's what a lot of us really miss. There's going to be a lot of people there, and it's our job because they listen to us now. Nobody, they wasn't even listening to Farrakhan, right, to be honest right. with you. They were walking away. I heard, I heard, speaking. Go ahead. I heard um, Shonetta saying that, you know, he went there to network and stuff. So, you know, I was like, I, I, I could see that. That's, that's all yeah, we looked. Yeah, we were set up teaching class outside. You know that, right? So, Nettleman was in one area, and then you got men polite on one yeah. area. You know what I'm saying? We never, I never even made it down to that. I, I okay. promise you, I never made it down there. I was on the outskirts. I couldn't, first of all, okay. I mean, so many people know us now, and it's just crazy. Like, 
Like, like seriously, like if you're not understanding, like YouTube is new television, and and you know what I'm saying, like, like come on, like it's just crazy. And so now yeah, I'm glad that we're starting to organize. We organize yeah, the problem now because it's there. It's you gotta let me finish talking. I'm gonna let you finish. You can't be cutting me off. It's crazy, yo. Oh, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish. I'm sorry. No, nope, you killed me. You threw the. It's called the brain kill. I, I, Go ahead. I cut your wisdom. I'm sorry. I didn't Come mean to do that. Go ahead. My best statement. Yeah, like I wisdom, said, bro. you know, I, I watch it. I watch your stuff. You know, to see, you know, what you're gonna talk about, and <laughs> it's very informative, and I like it. I like it, man. I love. I love when you guys have the build or discussions and debates and. I like I, I like I like it, and the reason why I'm I'm critical of Sarnet is because I think he has the potential to be really great. Sorry, got three channels. He got three channels. I mean, he's providing three channels. He's providing a lot of content for people in different areas. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. He's not going to get you with everything. You know what I mean? You might not watch. You know what I mean? The green herbal teas and stuff, but I mean, you know, everything yeah, is I think for he has everybody. The potential to be great. I think but once you get him, once he gets you inside of that house, like again, you know, how you gonna pull a Hebrew if he don't get the attention? So he so pulling them, he converting them. I said, like, how do you how do you flip a Hebrew unless you get the attention? You know what I'm saying? Like he's been, I mean, you know, these brothers, I'm a squad. You know what I mean? These guys been flipping Hebrews <laughs> since 2008. You know what I mean? Like, and that's and they do it. Their own, they have created their own style, you know what I mean. And you have to see, so you have to garner their attention. So that's like I said, I mean, you know, they have they have I a unique style. Yeah, it's different, you know what I mean. That. But they got you got to get their that. attention. I understand that. I, I definitely understand that. I mean, you I just I, like I do. You just I like banging on something, yo. Talk to you. <laughs> Say that again. You always do, yo. <laughs> you said I just like banging on something. <laughs> Hell yeah, man! You know I like the guy, but really he fucked up. Hey man, he's a good guy. No, really no, good. No, no. Hey, really he didn't uh, do this. Well, you crazy? Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> it's it's uh, I used to bang with Sonnet that hard, man. I used to bang. We used to all bang. We but I mean, uh, look, man, look, if he right, you can't bang with him. Like you know, you can't bang with a man when he right. Like we always going through. We was in the. What was he at? Like, right. in, you know what I mean? In a primordial suit, we was trying to find it. So you bang on each other like like they're doing now, but you can't bang on a man when he right. Like he's been size on point. He's doing, you know, he's helping black yeah, folks. Yeah. Like I say, I he got like three I different said. channels, oh, so you kind of got to give him space to let him flow. You know what I mean? Go, yo. That's what I be telling people, dude. You got pictures of some metal with Khalid. You got pictures of some. It wasn't. Then nobody had a DVDs in Walmart, yo. They were right. there. The record stores, Amazon. It wasn't on there. It was matter of fact, you had to go to Sarnetta and get the tapes. It was the tapes. Mm-hmm. Right? He made it he made it popular, right? To even buy tapes. He did that mm-hmm. in New York. Right? The the DVDs. Man, you can go back to some of the old work. You know how you don't know what kind of collection. You know what the history that man got? When I tell you what, when 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 my man from uh, 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 Professor Griff, <laughs> when his when his house got burned down and he lost all his collection, right? Do you know who gave his com- collection back? Sarnetta, because he had all the material. <laughs> I'm saying he's a, he's an archive. Like we said, to go to New York literally to get conscious tapes, it wasn't a way to go, dog. Like no one did that for us. 
No one is still doing that for us. So whether you like him or not, you know what I mean? I don't like the bullshit niggas he be having on this platform, the heat be craziness, the spaced out <laughs> shit. But at the end of the day, yo, he give everybody a fair chance. What I'm saying is you got to make the most out the platform. You can't expect him to do that. I realize that. Plain and simple, yo. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a TV. It's literally television. They, people don't even watch TV no more. They be looking at, they be looking at the Real Black Atheist Channel, the Unrosquad Channel, starting at the Black News. Man, I'm, I'm saying, listen, man. I had no idea. Based off what I know right now to this day, if you can get a chance to get on a channel with some, with some serious positive information, you know what I'm saying? You need to be hitting them platforms. You feeling me? You just need. That's why we put the radio shows up on the tube. Yeah, you just need to. That this shit is crazy. It's a phenomenon I didn't expect. Like, who knew? Who knew? Like, you don't even care about getting on ABC and NBC. We can just get on there and say what I really want to say. You know what I'm saying? You're doing well, brother. You say what I really want to say, bro. Like, I can go, I, I can go do a hangout and say what I really, really want to say. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's, it's just you know, as long as you ain't talking about killing people, they're gonna lock you up for that. <laughs> you can freedom of speech yeah, right up to you talking about did you just say kill did, did he just say kill did he just say kill white people? Yeah, they got you. You can't say it. You know what I mean? You can't say it. And right, then right. white people can't go on blog talk and say, Yeah, kill them niggas right now, we're gonna get them. No, you just can't say it. You just can't say it. So, I mean, you know, but that platform that the brother created, right, it might not be what, what it might, might might not be what we really, what, what people think is the perfect way to do it, but then I say to you, get on the platform. Uh, I'm it's, more it's, of a, don't, I would say this, I'm, even though I'm intelligent, I'm more of an observer. You know, I like to watch and listen and learn. You know, so I appreciate the information that he puts out. So, I, I, like I said, I've called to another person and told him, you know, he did a good job, you know. So I don't want you to think I'm someone just hates him, but I'm more critical of no, him. He has that. more responsibility. That's all. I think, you know, like for me, it's more about being balanced. If you're going to bang on the Hebrews, then bang on the NOI too. I don't feel – that's another issue I have. I notice when whoever he, – whenever he interviews the Nation of Islam members, is a whole different kind of line of questioning. Mm. I don't like that either. I think it should be balanced. It's like uh, I, mean, I think he, he brought I, up Scientology, man. He brought I, I, that up. I, I, like it's brought it out. Uh, but to bring it up to the man in the face. He let him off easy, no, bro. Come on, man. No. <laughs> Come on, man. Oh, hold on one second. Let me ask Ankh. Ankh, on the interview that he had with um I don't know who it was. The most recent one. Was there an interview with that dude, Nuri Muhammad? Do you think that was a easy interview for Nuri Muhammad? Man, they wouldn't let him ask no questions. Let me give you the inside scoop on that. Them niggas filtered the questions, bro. They was on that bullshit man. shoot, man. What? They couldn't oh, ask yeah. the questions. They took him in the room oh, like, y'all can't ask no yeah. questions. They did that. That's what they did. Fuck it. Get mad okay. at him for, for telling. <laughs> oh, nobody's going to yeah. sit down. Nobody's going to sit. You're not going to sit Creflo Dollar down and grill him about the Bible. He knows nah. that shit is fake. You see what I'm saying? You're going to have to ask him a couple questions to promote his agenda and ask him the hard questions. You can ask him one or two hard questions, but you ain't going to be able to sit there for 45 minutes and just grill him out. You know what I'm saying? Because they got so an agenda to push. So you're saying it's not a real interview then? 
then you're saying it's not a real interview then. That's what you're I'm saying. saying I, I'm saying we, I got the answer to the question I wanted to know about Scientology. And it was funny that this nigga is the first nigga that ever audited somebody. He's the first. I didn't. Wouldn't you want to know who's the first nigga that bought into this shit? Who's the first nigga that was auditing <laughs> niggas? Him. No. All right, let me put it this way. If I was the person that was asking that question, I'd ask him, are those auditing sessions free? That's what I would No, you would have asked them shit. You would have asked shit. They wouldn't let you ask questions you wanted to ask. You would have did shit. You would have been there. You don't know how to play the game. Yeah. Right, you wouldn't have did shit. You know, you wouldn't have did it. You wouldn't have did it. You wouldn't have did it. <laughs> What'd you yeah. say? Um, they wouldn't let me ask that question? No, hell no. They'd be like, no, nah, you can't ask that. That's <laughs> some bullshit, man. The whole thing is just <laughs> foolery, man. <laughs> That's why, he, why you developed the word called tomfoolery. It's called tomfoolery. And then you do an interview <laughs> asking questions that you can't even ask the questions you really want to ask, so don't let you ask the questions. Like, it's just foolery. <laughs> <laughs> At an all-time high. Like, come on, man. Like, you're saying, this you is not now. Why is he asking those pertinent questions? You're wondering, like, why he, you know, like, yeah, so now you know. They wouldn't let him do it. <laughs> okay. See, see, now that you tell me that, now I can understand. Because I didn't know that. Yeah, I was when, like, yo, why Yeah, but when ask? could you ever why? ask the nation, any of them niggas the real questions? You can ask Unk the real question. You can grill me. Yeah, you can grill me. <laughs> You, you, I mean, you I don't want to cut you out. Well, I ain't mad at you. Right, right, but you, right. want a you want a representative of an organization to go on the record. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's when well, you're dealing with imagery and, and branding. So they people are protecting their brand. You know what I'm saying? So it ain't just yeah, like he's like pulled up on the Muslim on the street. Okay. See, I didn't know that. See, until Ang said that, I didn't know that. I just thought he was just throwing them up, throwing soft questions. I didn't realize that. They were like, yeah, no, you can't ask her. I didn't know that. I just thought it was just a random interview just like he did with Hebrews. But now you know, he let me know. I was like, okay, okay. Now I understand. But thanks for taking my call, though, Anki. You can get somebody. Oh, yeah, it's good, man. You can see the pile of tricks, yo. We call it pile of tricks. <laughs> thanks so much for taking the time to call in, brother. We appreciate you so much. Hey, one last question, Anki. Anki, have you ever been to Africa? No, uh uh-uh. uh. When I go, I'm going to South right. Africa. When I go, I'm going to South Africa. That where you want to go? Yeah, I'm going to go to South Africa. Okay. All right, brother. My God, please, I want to go on some archaeological dig in South Africa. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. You want to ask if I want to move to Africa? I want to ask that too? No, 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 brother. I don't know if that's in your mentality. <laughs> what do you mean? Meaning how you might, years, you know, I'm sure you might have years. things. I spent 10 years thinking about repatriating back to Africa. Right? Really? I didn't know that. Sent, sent 20 children to Africa. Right? Okay. I had a choice. So I sent the children, the babies there. Right? I had a movement called the Meet Africa Movement. I barely talked about it. What we found was hypocrisy at an all-time high. That every time you try to go back to Africa, the Africans is crazy as fuck. <laughs> they don't see it the way you want, you want them to see it. Like, really, you're just a white boy and you're not African at all. You, you feel me? Mm-hmm. Like, like it begins, it's, and then they, only, they don't even know how to play the game. Meaning, like, over right, here, right. Say, say, say we want to get something built and you got to uh, pay somebody to get it done under the table. Over there, everybody want to get hit off under the table. So by the time the money comes to build a project, there's no more money left to even build the shit. You feel me? That's how it like, works like, in the developing like world, bro. 
You know, they like horrible, like, like for instance, if somebody, if you go over there and try to buy some land and you get, you run to the wrong person and they beat you, they gank your ass, like, like the system of getting that money back is horrible. Like they don't have it together like they, like, like, like a lot of places don't have it together like they should. It's like you rather build a church instead of building roads. Like the shit becomes just crazy sometimes. Like it's the worst. You can't blame nobody but yourself at this point. You feel me? And then you find some Africans that, that love you and understand who you are. But but them leaders these days, man, they ain't right, yo. They ain't right, dog. So you just, I mean, shit. Huh. Hmm. Man. Yeah, I understand what you mean, brother. Ain't I right. do, I mean. I'm just saying, yo, it ain't I'm... no escaping. That's my point. Anywhere you go, you're going to have to deal with this beast. That's my point. Right. So I'd rather deal with him right up in his face, right here. Right here. Like I said, we the poorest rich people in the world. <laughs> That's true. Go ahead and break that, your ass. Go, go break off somewhere in Mauritania some goddamn way. Go hang out. All right? That, that go to some place and find out what it really means to be broke. You Go to Haiti and go eat the dirt pies. <laughs> Into fucking wrestling, the whole thing. So we got a long way to go before we decide to move somewhere, a mass movement, because we need to learn how to build infrastructures. Like, that's, like, key. Like, we need foundational shit. But we got niggas over here saying, don't go to school. Well, how the fuck are you going to learn how to build infrastructure if you don't go to school and get the shit? You know what I'm saying? We got a lot of people, oh, don't do opinions. Well, you need to get the information to even build. You know, why not? why not buy a town in America, learn how to run that, see how that work out, and then take the damn show on the road. You can make mistakes over here. You go somewhere over there, you can't make no motherfucking mistakes. And you can't make a mistake. You fuck up, what you gonna eat? Damn, we miscalculate this, I ain't got no run deep. Yeah, all right. Get it, we need, you, you got towns you can buy in America all day long. Yeah, get that, run that. Keep your infrastructure tight. Get your school running right, couple schools, night square. Get that good. Let's see how that go. Okay, now, that group, now let's move. Yeah, we have okay. a group that we can stop do nothing. Well, we the good. Look, we you can't even take advantage of your own hair in America. How about that? You give a billion dollars away to Koreans annually and then get mad because you ain't got a job. Well, hello, you just gave the fucking jobs away. You just walked into the gas station of Arab. You just walked into the Korean store and you gave your job away. You did not support yourself. You just gave it to Nike. You did not support yourself. You just went to the Mexican tech casting spot. You did not support yourself. You took your drug dealing money and you went and spent it with white people. Everybody but yourself. You took the money out of the community again. And I know it seemed harsh, but I'm just saying. Like, you could have built a store. You know what I'm saying? Like, you could have did something with that. But, no, you decided to buy a Rolls Royce or something, a Lamborghini. You know what I mean? The bitter. You just that and the other. The, the $300 jeans, the Gucci. Come on, man. Las Vegas. No, I understand that life, yo. Like, you killed your people twice. You killed them when you sold them the drugs, and then you killed them when you didn't build nothing to, to help them get off the fucking drugs. Like, that's something you would always have to do. And see, white people understand if they kill you and shit, 
They kill you, give you alcoholism, then they give you some drug rehab. It's crazy. And they give back to themselves. They might kill you, but they're going to give back. Kill them and then give them back. But like you, the sister was saying, like it's still a system of slavery. Like we gotta, we gotta understand that the white people Absolutely. are still slaves. They are under a feudal system, and we have to change our mentality. Like a lot of most of the stuff that's going on is to them vulturing and vampiring off each other. But we can understand that we are the producers. We are the, so, we are the only product in this whole. You know what I'm saying? Like they they selling music. They selling our style. They selling our hair. They selling everything because they don't have anything to sell. So we just, sell you. you know what I mean? We just understand that you. we are it. They will sell you, right? Because you're the best product. You know what I'm saying? They will, I said that before, though. I said, remember, I said, listen, we understand that if they got people to sell, that they're not buying. If they're buying people, they're not buying no white people. You see what I'm saying? That's what slavery told us, is that they're buying people, they're not buying white people. They was kidnapping them, all that shit. But when it came down to spending money, they was going to spend it on a white on a black person because he could do more. <laughs> so all that, I'm just trying to say that we the product, and that they they come from a consumer, like they come, like two-thirds of, of the food in Germany is imported. You know what I'm saying? They, don't, they can't even feed themselves on that on that little, small, little continent or, um, you know, Whatever that thing is, nice here's, continent, you know what I mean? Here, here's something for you real quick. If you go down to Pinnacle Point, Africa, at about 160,000 years, man, that little area right there with those with, where those grubs grew, those that little area right there, they had a more diversity of plants, right, than the U.K., than the whole U.K., that little teeny area down there. 708, the line is open. Where you at? Peace, bro. I'm my squad up. Team Osiris, his brother Jesse and Gozy. What's happening with the family, yo? Good, bro. Where you where you been at, bro? I was listening most of the time. I've been on here just listening, man. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I heard the sister mm-hmm. with the book, and I heard the brother mm-hmm. come in, you know, question. So I was just listening.